What's up, everybody? I was, I was waiting on that. Waiting on that. <laughs> hey, I was like, I, I started to wonder, like, does he wake up in the morning? Like, oh, dude, like right? is that how he wakes up in the morning? Dude, like, it's the only way I live. Like, imagine Count Dracula waking up and he's like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> like every morning. <laughs> That's how this guy, dude. I, I was, I was hanging out with a with a female the other day and she was saying the same she's like you have fucking stupid energy it's making me nervous and i was like it's my bad i don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable i'm just fucking energetic i don't know oh man. but uh what's up everybody welcome back this is uh episode 43 and uh you guys are in for a fucking good one dude i hooked you guys up this one i think in all the other ones i probably did you guys a disservice because i probably made you guys dumber and that's my fault <laughs> hopefully i give you guys some laughs in the process but i'm not the smartest person in the world but this episode is ve definitely very unique because you're gonna hear some shit that is definitely gonna be relatable to your life, um, and you're gonna hear some shit that's not re even relatable at all, and you're gonna get inspired by it, and that's fucking awesome. And um, this is a, a really good friend of mine, a mentor in my life. This is Delwin Lampkin. I didn't know I was a mentor to anybody, man. I, I just <laughs> just live it. Hey, you know, it, you know, I I heard of your podcast several times, many times over. You say, hey, look, stuff we talk about don't matter, but yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it it, it does matter. It, everything matters because you know, even it, you know, there's things that I've heard on your podcast that it's it's it sounds crazy it sounds off the wall off the charts but this is life this is what people talk about right you know, when they're away from the cameras when they're away from the audio when they're away from just talking to people and uh this is just people being people right you know? Part, it's just you know we, we every now and again we need to be silly every now and again we need to have that release that that you know where we could just sit there and just talk and just you know depress you know oh, definitely so, definitely yeah. that's that's what i like the main idea of this uh of this podcast was it was more like a man we have all these garage talks where we have beers and we're hanging out we have whiskey yeah. and we're just hanging out just the guys and we'll, and it's so many different levels we're talking yeah. about hilarious shit remember the time we did that <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah and then we're talking about sad shit and then like then dumb guy shit sports no right fucking kobe bryant's better than LeBron. Right. all this dumb shit speaking of which i don't know if you saw that gators game earlier i don't know no, last i, I checked this 42 to 0 gators oh are just God, like putting dude. on a clinic right now that's ridiculous <laughs> i know that uh, it's some trouble alabama plays like lsu right uh i think so yeah 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 some shit i don't know yeah I'm too old to give a fuck about sports now. <laughs> All my teams lose. I'm just fucking used to it. I'm now. too busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too busy. That's basically what Every it is. now and again, I'll catch a game, but sometimes, you know, I'll go a whole season without seeing oh. that one game baseball, basketball, football. I'm just I'm just too busy. You I know. know? So. Fucking Raiders played the Packers the other day. I'm yeah. like, dude, how'd Brett Favre do? I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> right, I don't fucking know right. what's happening. Dude. I don't care. Right, right. Did you he know? cut me a check? Did he? <laughs> Did he exactly. Know? Exactly. So why should it matter to me, man? Exactly. But, um, for those of you that don't know, which I'm assuming obviously the fuck you don't, I know uh, Lampkin from honestly a crazy experience in my life. This was a, uh, so my dad is in law enforcement and I've mentioned that before and he also has belief signs in his house, which is fucking weird and he's a nerd. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, at my dad's job, which is at every job, they do these things. They do like these re respect-based leadership, right? Yeah, Basically work yeah, work like, yeah. workshops um, for like workplace harassment and blah blah and then not only that they, they talk about like how to be like basically your own in a company and i was at my dad's job basically just visiting and i stopped by 
to because I, I remember watching that. I remember seeing a bunch of recruits at my dad's job just walking around, and I saw you in there speaking, and I was so intrigued because I was like, I have to see what this because it's your performer. I like fucking performers. <laughs> That's just what I do. And uh, I stood in there. I went in there for like oh, I'll stop by. I stood there for the fucking the whole like three hours, and it was the fucking one of the most amazing things I've ever heard, and it was. So uh, it was honestly like it's it's great because when you hear people talk about their lives, especially the hardships, and uh, it makes you feel like okay, cool, like my shit's not even that bad, and it's great, especially yours. You know, you utilize it to your best advantage, and now you're fucking killing it. And whenever people give themselves pity parties, and you hear something like that, it's so fucking inspiring and so motivational. You're like, oh, dude, I'm good. Like I thought I was in the dumps. I'm fucking nothing, and he climbed out of this motherfucker. He can, you know, what the fuck is my excuse? And you don't, and then you go, oh, and it's honestly like liberating. It makes you yeah. get like excited. Like, oh shit. Like if he can do it, that means anybody can do it. Yeah. That means I can do it. And then you, you utilize it as best you can. And oh my God. Yeah. You know, people need a reminder every now and again that, you know, we're human beings and, uh, you know, a lot of employers focus on, uh, you know, uh, employees meeting expectations. You know, that that's why each and every one of us get hired. That's the reason why we are where we are. And it's not just, you know, your, your dad's job. It's every employer always focuses on what do they expect from the employee. But one of the things that we forget sometimes is, you know, we got to take a, a moment to really sit there and, and talk to our employees and ask our employees, what do they expect from us as an organization? You know, what do they expect from us, from the business? And uh, because at the end of the day, you know, those are the workers, you know, those right. are the ones that are putting out outstanding service every single day. Right. And so in order for me to, you know, um, uh, expand on that uh, theory of, you know, focusing on what does the employee expect from the employer? You know, I talk a lot about my backstory, about how I got um, started at one point in my life and then, uh, you know, get to where I am today. It, right. didn't, it didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't easy. It's still not easy, you know. Hell no. Um, but, uh, you know, if I if I can just ins inspire some one person, you know, it goes back to that rule of, you know, you can't save the world, but you can save someone's world. You know, yeah. if I can just inspire some one person and make that one little comment, that one little phrase that will perhaps change their whole ideology of how they see themselves and how they see the world my job is done oh exactly <laughs> you know, you know and the yeah. part that i guess made it i guess unique and special for me to be honest was i already had like made the switch in my mind in terms of like how am i going to make myself a different a better person what do i have to do to make myself fucking flourish or whatever the fuck it is i'm going to do and i was like well i don't like reading okay now i'm going to read a lot of books i just basically did a lot of shit i don't like to do and I made that switch. I started watching like these motivational videos that would like fucking legit. Like I thought that was cheesy, but it wasn't. No, it it no, worked no, for me. It's never cheesy. It worked for me. Like I would watch these like they have these really intense like classical music maybe in the back, and it's like this guy like motivational speakers yelling, and it, it would play them like when I was going running or whatever the fuck I was doing, and it helped me so much. So I already made that switch, and then to watch you up there perform and then tell your life story, it was like oh fuck, it was at the right time. Like it resonated with me so heavy. And uh, that's why I sent you an email. I was like, who the yeah. fuck is this guy? You know? Cause, <laughs> yeah. Because it was, it was super important to me, to be honest, to like give to give you props. I don't know if people ever do that. I think people go, man, I loved it and that was great. But it's also important to be like, dude, he needs to know that that's fucking great. Like, because performers doubt themselves all the time, too. You're like, man, I, I know I did good. But uh, when you someone like tell, hey, like I, I remember I wrote, I was like, hey, that was fucking like, you hit on, performers for me, they, they hit on, they always focus on a certain thing. You see it in like musicians all the time. Like, um, I'm gonna make my uh, the 
artwork is going to be awesome. The lights are going to be epic. But maybe the substance of what actually is going on is just okay. Maybe the music's decent, but there's fireworks at a certain part of the show. So the extra part is awesome. Or maybe the music's great, but they don't have enough fucking like oomph to it. They don't have those fireworks. Yeah. They don't have the light show. There's very few performers that can put on a fucking like a show on stage. Not only are what they're putting out, the substance is amazing. They're doing some crazy shit on stage. They're dancing, and then the and then maybe they have some cool like lights going on, like like a Bruno Mars yeah. or like a fucking like you know going back to twenty four hundred like, carat concert. Yes, there's only <laughs> certain people that can really yeah. like hit every level of performer. And when you're up there, I was like, dude, this guy his his rhythm of talking was fucking phenomenal. His eye contact was steady. Um, he didn't like hesitate. Whatever he was doing, whenever you were like going into a certain like uh, conversation or a certain topic, you had a clicker with you and you knew exactly when to click it. The music you cued it at the right time when you're about to talk about something. And I was like, dude, that's a fucking performer. Like he's done. You can tell that he's done this before yeah. and he's done it a lot. And I was like, damn, that shit got me like goosebumps. And other people had it. They knew it too. But I was like, you don't understand what's going on. Like you're just, you're watching a movie and you're just going, man, that movie was good. But you don't, you're not looking at it at the lens that I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it like, man, dude, what it took to get that script, what it took to, for the director to put that scene in and for him to get to hire that actor. Like I look at it a little bit more deeper. And your your performance was just fucking incredible. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the praise. You know, what a lot of people don't realize is that when you're doing a presentation, any presentation, when you're performing, it's not about you. Um, it's about the right. audience. What is the audience ex, uh, expect? What, are, what is their expectation? And so, I, you know, I recognize that everybody doesn't learn the same. So when I do a lot of my presentations, I focus on like those those key elements of how people learn. You know, you have kinesthetics, you got visual learners, you got people who have to, uh, who, who, who are readers, you know. So, yeah, I have something on the screen, but, uh, you know, that's maybe in writing or but in between all that, I got videos showing, you know, just the, the videos add relevance to the topic that I'm talking about. Uh, uh, and it's very subtle. It's, you know, videos of like diversity or the uh, videos of families, videos of people just social communicating, you know, and that's important for people to really grasp the message that I'm, tr that I'm trying to convey. Yeah. Um, I put a lot of effort into into my presentations. It's, you know, and, and, and again, I do it because, you know, you, you, if you're at one point in, in your life where you're like, OK, you're getting that good feedback, you're getting that feedback. People are saying, hey, you know, we want more. We Give us right. more. Feed us more. Once you reach that standard, you got to keep that's that's that is the base. That's the standard. You yeah. can't. And, and the day you flop, <laughs> you oh know, my god, exactly. People are gonna know. People are gonna you know. Even if they're there for free, they're like, man, what was that? Oh, they know. You know? They, even on this yeah. podcast, they're like, hey, dude, what the fuck? It's been a week since you put an episode <laughs> out, and I'm like, oh, dude, like, it, but it, it's also awesome though because yeah. I started off just doing it just for me, basically, and eventually. Um, a fan base did start growing and then once it grew like people were expected them yeah. like hey dude like, I, I I love the last one blah blah when's your next one and I was like fuck like I gotta get on it and that's honestly like when people expect you to be disciplined it, it's fucking great because they, yeah. it's almost like they know a standard from you like you said of course yeah even like when other people are disciplined I get disciplined like on the small scale of things like today our podcast right, right, we're gonna do a podcast at 12 yeah I, yeah. I was like if, if I knew that you weren't a disciplined person, I would have gotten ready this place like at 11.55. <laughs> oh, no. You can expect I mean, like, me to be on time. That's what I'm saying. I was yeah. like, because if he was like, I, I, he said 12, but he's probably going to be at 12.30. But I already know how you are. So I was like, fuck, dude. Like, 12 means 12. Oh, yeah. So I was like, my, I don't clean my fucking house. I got to make sure everything's good. <laughs> Cause, and it, but on that's on the smallest scale of things. But a disciplined person makes you yeah. be disciplined. And, like, but it also creates reputation. You yeah. know, people, people, you're known for something. 
you know? right. and the day you don't meet that uh, expectation and you and people are like whoa you, okay he's falling off a little yeah. bit you know people notice people are paying attention you I know? know that's yeah. the one thing that's hilarious about Mexicans we have so many unrealistic <laughs> expectations about everything Oh, you're yeah. gonna play basketball. You're like, what? No, I'm not. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm, we got our own little stereotypes. You know, yeah. we, we show up to stuff late. You know, it's, oh, <laughs> it's fucking coaching. We would say the same thing. We're you fucking know? late to no, everything. Man. I'm on time with everything. You know, that's why I'm so, on time for trying everything. Trying to break because, those uh, stereotype barriers. Oh, you know, for sure. One know? day at a time. That's why I'm literally on time for most of my shit because I used to feel anxiety when I was a kid for always being late to shit because my mom made us late to fucking everything <laughs> and the car ride there was a fucking nightmare whatever it was like to fucking easter thanksgiving at my grandma's wherever we were going like my mom was furious in the car and i was like why are you mad you're the reason why we're fucking late and it would make the whole car ang- like like you know everyone just felt like shitty and i hate that feeling so now i'm on time for fucking yeah, not, everything not, you know it's crazy because my mom she's like the total opposite dude my mom is like you tell her be somewhere at five. She's there at four trying to help you pack. <laughs> just like, you know, she's there at four trying to help you pack. And it's like, I told you to be here at five. So now when I'm having little gatherings or we got something going, like a little social event or whatever, you know, I got to And I'll tell her, hey, uh, you know, it starts at seven. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. It's, but it's actually kicking off at five. Right. <laughs> My mom not supposed to know that. Just right. <laughs> so if you listen to this podcast. You know, I'm just you know. You never stop lying to your parents. I wish, I wish that was a, I wish that was a thing. You st- I still lie to my parents about everything. Oh, but man. I'm, but at the same time, they're my best friends. Right. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, actually, yeah. that's we talked about it yesterday in a podcast with my cousin. I was like, that's the one thing that's cool about this podcast. It's so diverse. It's like, yeah. It, we literally talk about first of all what we talk about is diverse, but then the guests we have are for sure diverse. And then eventually, I want to have a my mom and dad on, which is going to be fucking hilarious because. I feel like the way we talk is the way most people talk with their parents in their own homes. Yeah. We just don't hear it on audio. You don't. And now you're going to be able to hear it and relate to it and hear the funny shit. And it's just, it's just funny. And like they're separated and they're best friends. Yeah. It's fucking funny. Like you hear them talk and they'll still call each other for like really important shit all the time. And they'll like, like, hey, your your boyfriend's ugly. Oh yeah, your girlfriend's a bitch. Like, ah, oh, whatever. It's and they're like laughing. All right, right see right, you later. Right. Yeah. You know, that's rare. That's it's rare. Fucking you can amazing. still be, you know, good friends despite those differences that you may have at a relationship level. You know? Right, so, it's yeah. honestly like super admirable because like I've seen people grow up with like those crazy households or without a dad or like yourself with your situation yeah. and like I had a fucking great situation yeah. and then eventually it ended and it and it didn't even feel like it did. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like obviously there's gonna be some differences but like they're best friends still. So it's it's been easy for me. I remember when I told people that was like six years ago when they split. And they were like, oh, your parents are like, sort of. Fuck, right, I mean, I right, 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 right. They still talk shit, so they're the same thing. You know, no difference. Right, right, right. So that's always been really cool for me. At least, you know, for us as kids to look at that and go, damn, like that's fucking, yeah. that's admirable as hell. Yeah, you know? no, yeah. absolutely. And, 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 and that's them sticking to their priorities, which is you, man. That's, you know, we got a job to do, even though we're not together anymore. It's like, hey, we still got... We still got this guy, you know, yeah. we still got to worry about this this guy right here. So, yeah. It's crazy. Cause and and you remember, don't find that in a lot of, you know, relationships nowadays, no, a lot of uh, parenting. No. You know, when you look at statistics, how so many people are splitting, you know, especially in our generation being millennial, yeah, millennials. You know, yeah. It's already bad enough that we have a hard time just getting into a relationship and getting married at a later age nowadays. But then when we do find ourselves having those kids, it's like it should never feel okay with knowing you're going to have a kid and just and and being okay with just being separated you know yeah people should not the ideal of getting into a relationship and emoting is so you can be able to raise kids together but you know if if it doesn't happen right the way it if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen um 
but at the same time, you know, make sure you're taking care of your priorities, making sure yeah. you're taking care of, yeah. uh, you know, what's it, what's important at the end of the day, which is not you, not her, not him. It's the kid. Exactly. Yeah. Fucking weird. Weird. Put yeah. this, put this a little bit closer to you. The mic. Yeah, yeah. 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 Boom. There it is. There we go. Yeah. And, um, I was going to say, uh, but like I said, like I mentioned earlier, like none of that was even, um, close to what you went through. Oh no. <laughs> and not even close. Like, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> do I even get into that? <laughs> oh, please, please. I feel like people, yeah. I feel like people need to hear this shit no, yeah. and they need to go, Oh my, like it's, you're like my fucking real life David Goggins. Man. I swear to God. I was like, damn, this is some real shit. Like this is yeah. fucking awesome. Like I hear, like, I, when I ran my first marathon, I listened to a David Goggins podcast. Yeah. That's and, a dope dude right there. Uh, I mean, fucking straight you know, savage. I give him that. I get that comparison. I, it is no comparison to what he went through, going through buds training, going through seal training, and all, and going through all these different academies and set, multiple times. You know, even after failing a couple of times. But, uh, but yeah, I, I know what that's like. Yeah. I know what it's like to fail, and you know, you want it so bad. And uh, you know, me getting into my career field, um, you know, just getting into my career field and having to re- hit the reset button a couple of times. And uh, but at the end of the day, I didn't give up. You know, now, oh, yeah. now when you talk about the relationship thing, you know, um, reason why I didn't give up is because of expectations that certain people have of me um, as a as a black kid growing up in South L.A. You know, I grew up yeah. in, I grew up in South L.A. right in the heart of the L.A. riots. Fuck. And, uh, you know, I can remember that like it was yesterday. I can remember, you how, know, how old do you like? Seven I, I was seven old? years old. Wow. Yeah, I was seven years old. I went to uh, Raymond Avenue Elementary School, which God, for damn. anybody who knows where that is in South L.A., 76 in uh, Normandy. Damn. I was like a block and a half from uh, Florence in Normandy, which yeah, for anybody right that knows uh, what, what that's about, you know, Reginald Denny, you know, being assaulted and being dragged out of his car and you know and the, on the truck yeah I, I, yeah out of the out of the uh, truck there and uh i was right there you know it was it was ah. that was my world that was my life but you know people focus on what happened during those you know five days of civil unrest when the reality is that we've that was my lifestyle that was my way of living for years you yeah know, growing up you know um a lot of people didn't get to get to ex- be exposed to the things that i was exposed to first seeing my seeing my first best friend at the age of six, being shot and killed in the alley, uh, uh, right next door to the apartment, the one bedroom apartment complex that we lived in, and uh, I can remember sitting outside, sitting on the landing of the, uh, the of the uh, in front of the house, on the second floor, and you know seeing this happen, and um, and when this happened, I can remember the last thing I told him was, "Hey, uh, hey, are you okay?" And he said something to the effect of, you know, when when he was shot, because I remember the car pulling into the alley, uh, the black and uh, Pinto and uh, shooting him and, and, and then he uh, he gets shot and he runs away and he ends up on the side of the wall of the uh, apartment next door and I remember saying hey, are you okay and he's, he's like yeah I'm, I'm okay and no he wasn't you yeah. know and uh, my mom ran outside hey hey what's going on you know and right right and she very calmly said all right boys just uh, just come on in the house you know and that was the norm that's that wasn't crazy. That was, it wasn't like, oh my God. It wasn't like, you know, no, it was just, all right, boys, come on in the house. Yeah. You know, and that was it. Your dinner's getting cold. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, might yeah. as well say that. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, grow, growing up in the, uh, in the LA riots was kind of like the, the, the climax to, uh, uh, you know, what, what was my entire first seven years of my life, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a story, you know, being in school. And I know everybody's used to the nowadays, the whole school lockdown thing. The, oh, yeah, 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 You yeah. know, lockdown the school. No, it wasn't nothing like that. We're talking about 1992 
somebody rung the fire alarm bell. I, I want to say it was an administrator, but next thing I know, we're all coming out for a fire drill. And uh, around us, we can hear gunshots. We can hear screeching of tires and things like that. And Fuck. and uh, and you know, it, it was just everyday life. And principal gets on the bullhorn and says, "I don't care. Let them all out. Open up the gates." You know. Yeah, they have I don't to get care home. if the parents ain't home. <laughs> I mean, they ain't here yet. They have to get home. Yeah, and uh, they open up the gates, and I remember me and my brother just walking home. Like, <laughs> like Fuck. that's just we're just walking home, yeah. and then you know we probably high five and two yeah. schools out early. Fuck yeah, yeah baby. You know, I, w- I wish, but it was just like we knew something was going on, but we didn't know what. Yeah, but it was just because you know that's just the way we were living. It was just okay. We'll go home. Not wait for our mom. Not right you know my, you know we we were latchkey kids growing up so we had <laughs> we got home and did every, the, the same thing we do every day you yeah know, which was just going to the house lock the door and wait for moms to get home mom finally got home on a bus you know uh the mta or wow. back then if anybody knows the mta it was the rtd the rough tough and dirty oh shit <laughs> you God know damn. yeah driving home and uh i mean she uh she uh took the bus home and she uh, uh i remember she told my, my my older brother got home at the uh was home as well and I remember she uh, was sitting around the house and she told my brother, uh, my older brother, go get a loaf of bread. Fuck. And uh, during the fucking riots. Yeah, during the riots, during the riots. And so my mom was sitting there waiting for him to take off. And my brother's just waiting around the house. And I want to say it was like maybe five, five, 15 minutes go, uh, go by. And she starts yelling, my brother, you know, I thought I told you to get a loaf of bread. And and uh oh, my, my, my older <laughs> brother says but mama you didn't give me no money she says baby you don't need no money right now <laughs> go get a loaf of bread so oh, you know, my, my brother goes out he, you know he goes um you know Fuck no. it, it had to have been even to the liquor store to king's market yeah for anybody who knows where that's at and uh you know he he, he came back with a shopping cart full of junk <laughs> it wasn't even a loaf of bread yeah and uh he came back with his with his with his uh with his buddy from off of uh uh, oh man, I, I want to say it was Harvard Street. Comes back with him, and my mom's like, "I thought I told you to get a loaf of bread." And she's like, "Oh well, you know they rioting out here." And so you know she, she's like, "No, I need you to go get a loaf of bread. I need you to go get meat because we're gonna be here for a while." Now yeah. a little, little sidetrack from that, you know, my mom, she's a Vietnam veteran. Oh shit! <laughs> so my no mom, way. my mom went to the into the Navy uh, two years before um, uh, uh, Vietnam was over. Damn. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I never, she never really talked about her time in Vietnam, her time just being in the military in general. Right. I feel and like that's so, tough to relate to kids. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. how do you, well, how do you relate to them on that level? Oh yeah. She, she was tough on us. Um, but, uh, she, she, uh, she knew what was, what was at stake apparently. Right. So my brother goes, goes out to go get, you know, uh, or she tell he, she tells my, my, uh, my uh, brother, hey, uh, go get go get meat, go get bread, go get you know so yeah. forth and so on. And hey, these potato chips are awesome, dog. Right. But we still need some fucking bread, <laughs> right, right? Right. Thanks a lot. No, he came back on. with toys and stuff. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Back then, it was all about the GI Joes, Ninja Turtles, and Street oh, hell, Fighter, yeah. and all that stuff. But oh, anyway, hell, yeah. Um, but yeah, we asked my mom, not really knowing what we were getting into. She's like, hey, uh, we asked her, hey, can we go with him? <laughs> so no way. Yeah. And so my mom, you know, she was a little nervous, but she said, yeah, go ahead and go with him. Y'all be careful. So we go down to a liquor store and sure enough, we're talking about civil unrest, martial law. There's just oh everything is just jumping off. It's and, fucking, yeah. it's a zoo. So, you know, um, uh, statute limitations, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. We're good. Yeah, now. We, we were, we're out good. there snatching food and all that other stuff. And, Hell uh, yeah. and, uh, we, we were grabbing stuff. My brother comes with this bright idea to take the street fighter arcade game out of the liquor store. Oh. And, uh, I remember when, yeah, I remember. I used to have that in my buddy. garage, by the way. 
Oh, you do? We had. I used to have it in my old garage. We had a Street Fighter arcade yeah. game. It was when uh, we grew up in kids in a, as a, in Riverside. I lived there until I was like six. <laughs> oh, and we man. had it in my garage because the neighbors across the street, they were moving and they gave it to us. Street Fighter was yeah. it back so then. So we had a fucking, a big box of quarters underneath. And then like you just, you put them in. When you put the quarter in, it would drop and go back into the bucket. <laughs> it was like, you just <laughs> yeah, always had to the them. Yeah, exactly. And it was fucking great. Yeah, man. No, that's the, that was the game. Oh, but, hell yeah. yeah. My, my brother, you know, he, he take him and his friends start, you know, while we're in the liquor store grabbing food and stuff. My, my brother's trying to get the Street Fighter game out the window, and uh, he ended up breaking the window, ended up getting the Street Fighter to lean out the window, and uh, all of a sudden, this dude just walks into the front door. He's like, hey, y'all might want to get the fuck out, because I'm about to blow this motherfucker up. Oh, fuck. And I'm like, okay, like, we just, we're just looking, like, we're just standing there. Remember, me and my, me and my, my twin brother just standing there, and, and this guy, you know, he takes a, uh, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I later, you know, reanalyzing things. It was a, somewhat of a, I guess, a Molotov cocktail of some sort. Oh, shit. And sure enough, this dude throws it across the, uh, across the store, hits the, the front counter. And this whole thing just like, just the whole front counter just goes up in flames. flames. Fuck. And uh, that, that Street Fighter game quickly became a ramp. <laughs> to oh, go, right to climb out the window and uh we were out of there man how crazy is we that, that that's, that's almost like that's not why it happened yeah. and it ended up being like a fucking blessing yeah no we you were know? out of there though but uh we didn't really you know you know we ended up going down to a couple other markets getting food and stuff came back with food my mom we had food for like a month we 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 packed the freezer we packed yeah. the fridge my mom was rationing food and stuff and it wasn't like it was like complete like you know um like we were living in like you know uh, uh, third world country, but think about it. My mom didn't have a car. My mom didn't get her first car until she was forty. Damn. Um, uh, wow. So she, we caught the bus everywhere. You know. Right. Um, my mom, she had a, you know, she had a uh, pretty good job, and uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough to, you know, for us to be living that good, um, ra especially raising three kids in a one bedroom apartment. Right. And uh, but but it was it was all we had, and it was all I knew. And uh, after about a month of dealing with all everything being burnt down, every, uh, no stores really reopening. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you go down to that neighborhood even today, um, it, it still looks the same. You know, you know, you got barred yeah, up windows. It does. You it got, looks exactly the same. You drive down Western between Manchester and Florence. I mean, it's just jacked up. It's it, it, it's like that place was frozen in time. I mean, it's getting a little. Bit, it, it, I'm assuming they're going to do some renovations and some 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 pride building projects. Uh, uh, in the near future because you know you got the stadium that's being built in yeah Inglewood over that's, there, so. that's a, no choice rents are going yeah. up yeah so i can see that area getting better now but um but know, it's gonna be like what area gets worse now because true. you know what i mean like yeah there's gonna you have to go somewhere we can afford rent well yeah so. from from a from a you know from a standpoint of understanding you know gentrification and how that works and yeah you know how how you know people who live in poverty sometimes they get pushed out through economic means yeah, I mean, you got to figure out what's going to be the next poor, poor area. But um, going back to that, to 1992, you know, growing, it, it wasn't really much there anymore. Right. So my mom made the conscious decision of having to walk down to a U-Haul place and uh, having us move. And uh, she walked down, got a truck, pulled it up, said we're moving. And we ended up moving to the county of Los Angeles, not too far from where we where we grew up. Um, it wasn't any better. We we actually moved right into the middle of a gang war. Fuck. <laughs> right, you know. Hey, thanks, we mom. We moved from one bad pot to yeah. another, and right in the middle of a gang war where the UGs and Hoovers and Raymonds were oh. at war, and 
I mean, it was just a, a big mess. And you hear those stories like constantly, like a an innocent person, innocent kid getting shot because yeah. of a gang war shootout, and then yeah. that guy's getting charged with some crazy shit because he didn't mean to shoot him. But like that's yeah. it's, it's common. I mean, kids are outside. Yeah, they're not fucking inside. They don't, especially back then. You don't have Xbox and shit. No, 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 no. Yeah, we we barely had. We had a Nintendo, you know. Yeah. But you know, and that's, and that's if you're a rich kid. Uh, right. <laughs> we we had a Nintendo. Yeah. We you know it wasn't the newest yeah. Nintendo. It was a hand me down. It was at my it. friends. It was at my friend's house. Yeah, it was mine. Yeah. But you know. we were poor, but we weren't you know poor enough where we couldn't get a Nintendo. You right. Know? And that was actually given to us. But uh, right. Uh, but yeah, we moved right into the middle of a gang war, and I can remember the many nights of you know uh, people getting shot. You know. Um, you know, people knocking on the door because they just wanted a towel because they were bleeding. Fuck. You know, I can remember, you know, um, uh, my neighbors getting shot and killed. One one minute you're talking to them, one minute, next minute they're, they're gone. Damn. You know, um, walking to school and just you, you didn't know if you were going to make it home. Uh, it was it was it was quite quite a time. It was <laughs> it's strange how your brain like um, what's that word? Like compartmentalizes, I guess. Yeah. Um, if it's normal, it's not as I would say uh, traumatized. It's not severe. It's not traumatic. It's yeah. not, it doesn't shock the conscience. Right. It, it doesn't. It, you don't. It's just like you're going through your. It's just everyday life. Like right. when I saw my first best friend, or I like to consider my first best friend get shot. And the reason why I say that is because this dude would bring us balloons every single year for our birthday. This guy was actually this this kid was actually older than us. I want to say about about four or five or six years or so. But uh, you know, this guy would bring us balloons every you know every uh, every 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 year for our birthday. Um, and uh, but to see him get shot and killed, it I didn't even look at my own safety as an issue, right? And that's weird, you know. Yeah, you it's super weird, huh? Yeah, it's just you, you're just like, oh, he got shot, yeah. you know? And he said he was okay, right? <laughs> but he wasn't, you know. Dude, total so, fucking yeah. tough motherfucker. Yeah, I'm alright, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn, I remember uh, so. my my brother on his uh, when we were kids. His brother, because uh, I didn't grow up in like the ghetto, ghetto, not at all. I mean, where I grew up especially was very nice, but my parents purposely put me in ghetto areas for like recreational activities just for me to like get tough so like i played baseball on pico rivera and the park i played for was, was super ghetto kids were just like lord of the fly shit like very ghetto <laughs> if you if you didn't like if you weren't tough you were just fucked like you had a, yeah. you had to be a, an alpha there and that's yeah. what you learned and it was great several many like a lot of friends from the from the neighborhood from there it's great and then my grandma lived in east la so i was there a lot too and um i was gonna say there was a my brother had a a kid on his team and this shit was crazy i remember this he was a uh, on a I forgot what division in football. It didn't even fucking matter. But it was over there for the Pico Rivera Dons. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> rapping that blue and gold, looking like Notre Dame. Love it. Uh, he got, my brother was like, I think like 11 or 12. And I was like nine. And this kid on his team, he's like fucking really good too. He got uh, murdered in his sleep by his fucking sister and her boyfriend. Wow. It was fucking nuts. Like they fucking, oh shit, my bad. Phone's ringing and shit. So rude. Um, <laughs> yeah, like she, they, uh, Basically, she was like, uh, she had this boyfriend. The family didn't approve, and they were like, "You need to break up with him." Blah blah blah. And she's like, "I love him." Okay, then get the fuck out of our house. You know the basic shit that you would tell a kid. Like, then you don't get to fucking live here. You know, you know. Do you mean it? Who knows? But it's just something to tell a kid so they can at least get some fear. And um, she somehow convinced the boyfriend to kill the family. It's the only way they can be together. So in their wow. sleep, she he actually killed everybody including her brothers one of them was her little brother which was fucking wow. 12 years old and i remember that and it was crazy because like the whole park like the next week like there's a huge vigil at the park everyone had fucking candles and it was it was it was strange because it didn't feel uh not it didn't feel weird it felt no. like oh this just happens like people die and especially kids like it's normal like 
because I we already had saw uh, a shootout at the park, multiple ones already. Um, we saw a guy get shot like two. There's two cholos versus another two set of cholos in center field, and one of our my brother's games, and we saw this guy get shot in the head. Like, and we're like, okay, so this is kind of normal. It, but at the same time, I got, I got to see both, which was great. Like, it was great for my mindset to honestly see both as a kid because when I went back home, my street was fucking great. The neighbors were nice. They'd bring you over cake if they fucking made it. Um, yeah. I would be gone all day skating in liquor stores, doing this, and my dad didn't give a shit. He's like, all right, just be back before, be back at seven or whatever. Um, your chores are done, right? Yeah, they're good. All right, cool. And my neighborhood was like, nice. I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. But, when it came to like other activities throughout the day, I had to worry about it all the time. So it was good that I got to see both, and it was good that none of those like traumatized me. They were definitely like helpful, if anything. Yeah, no, I I, I can tell you that it, everybody lives. I mean, we all have our own different values and beliefs, but we built that based on our heredity and our environment. So one of the things that I talk about is you know a simplistic mathematic mathematical equation. It, you know, it's it's H plus E equals B. So your heredity plus your environment equals your behavior. If you live in a nice neighborhood, you're going to behave a certain way. If you have a nice family, you're going to behave a certain way. Um, obviously, if you live in poverty, you know, there's certain ways that you may behave. Um, and, and that's the assumption. So at the most simplistic level, you know, we look at it from a mathematical standpoint. We look at it as H plus E equals B. Heredity right. plus our environment equals, equals our behavior. Right. But the, the thing that changes that that equation, that that simple additional uh, uh, mathematical problem that is, variable yeah that is when we put a variable in there when now it becomes algebraic when we uh, include that t that t in parentheses t equaling thought you know um our head uh, heredity times uh, our thought plus our environment times our thought equals a new behavior and so if we and, and it goes back to that most simplistic term is if we can change the way we think about our heredity if we can change the way we think about our our environment that will change the way um, uh, what we believe um, that will change our behavior, and I and, and I was I was so focused on that. I was so focused growing up without even even knowing any of this stuff. I under, I saw what my mom went through growing, uh, raising three kids. I saw uh, you know the inequality that was there. Um, I I saw her going through that struggle. I never acknowledged it. But I knew that, hey, if I wanted things to get better, um, I knew that there was I had to change my mindset. I right. had to recognize early on in life that just because this is what my environment looks like, it doesn't mean that this is what it has to be forever. And a lot of us fall prey to that. A lot of us fall prey to people uh, accepting what we are in, accepting who we are as people, when at the end of the day, you shouldn't accept any of that. If you want more, you go out there and you get more. Right. You know, um, and that's exactly what I was doing, getting involved in different uh, uh, after school programs. Now, I got to I got to say, I wasn't a, a, a straight A <laughs> student. I was more like a C average, yeah, <laughs> you know. Soft. But it was because you're talking of, to a D average, yeah, so, so you're smarter than me. Right? And, and the reason why is because I kept myself involved in activities that most kids would never get involved in. When I say after school programs, we're not talking about the YMCA. I was doing, you know, youth activism growing up um, since the age of 14. Damn, um, I was getting involved in um, um, ca uh, career uh, type of programs. Uh, these things kept me grounded. They kept me busy. And along with that, being in these different career programs, I started to surround myself with people that were much older than me, but they were people that I looked up to because they were doing the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. And 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 I stayed busy. You got to stay busy. Now, you know, I got to, you know, going through these different experiences. I, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, coming home wasn't always a promise. Right. I, mean, I wasn't always Definitely. a guarantee, you know, um, 
you can literally get shot right outside your front door for no reason, yeah. you know, other than maybe being a minority or being, you know, someone just having that opportunity to do it. Right. But, uh, you know, it, what I was really focused on was changing my, changing the way I thought about my, my heredity, my upbringing, the, you know, um, knowing that, hey, when it, just because I grew up with a single mom doesn't mean that when I become an adult and I have kids that I have to be that, um, uh, uh, I, I have to live a lifestyle where I'm raising kids by myself. Right. Um, you know, just because I live in an environment, a poor community where there's a lot of, uh, you know, crack crime and addiction, you know, doesn't mean that I have to live in that type of neighborhood and that type of environment. Right. So, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's honestly like the biggest, it, de it depends on how you actually utilize it, but if you are raised in such a like basically a shitty fucking upbringing yeah. and your mindset is knows how to fucking correct it it's the biggest blessing ever yeah. it's if you can know how to use that as a weapon like yeah. i grew up in this i grew up in this and i grew up in this and you can utilize that to your advantage it is like the biggest blessing in disguise it, it's because at the yeah. time it's a fucking it's that's the crazy part it's like you know I, I grew up in all that but it's how i utilize that to help other people understand that you're you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances exactly the the fact that i can tell these stories now the fact that i can share these thoughts with people and say look this is where i am this is where i was at one point in my life and this is where i can this is where you can be i'm walking living proof of that right you know it's funny people commonly say things when i'm talking to them when they know who i am when they see my when they talk about my when i, when I talk about my upbringing or people that that know who i am seeing where i grew up the first thing they say is well you're the exception and the reality is, is I'm no exception to That's nothing. That's an excuse, too. It, that is. It's yeah. an excuse. The, the reality is, is I'm the norm. Right. Now, I can't help it if those that grew up in the same environment as me, grew up in the same neighborhood as me, decided to lower their expectations. Right. You know, right, at of course, the end of yeah. the day, I am not anything special. I'm not lucky. I'm not, I don't have any, uh, um, there's no extra uh, benefit that I, uh, there's nothing that, that, that was given to me where somebody said, hey, you got a guaranteed ride to success. Right. You know, no, I'm the norm. Right. We as human beings should always be striving to do better than the next uh, within our lineage. Right. Um, not the next person to our left and to our right, but doing better than those who raise us. Always. You know, we should always be doing that. And so I want to make sure that people know that this is not something where I was lucky, not something where I'm an exception. I'm not some like rare coin. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just I'm just a, I'm just a guy with dreams. I'm just a guy that wants to that knows what I want to do in life. But that's why I think you know? you're really good at what you do, because you do relate that to the common person. Yeah. It's very easy for and I don't even think most motivational speakers or people um that are performers like that or like that do what you do it's very easy for them to to like lose that essence to lose the actual reason why you started it and it's very easy for them to not relate to the common person because yeah. now they're kind of like it's without noticing without noticing it's a very subconscious thing but you become a little bit more egotistical and now you're performing just to get your fucking almost your acceptance out like oh yeah. i feel accepted because i get to tell this and that's not why you started it right so right. if you can, and when you, when you maintain the premise of I'm doing this because I like, I, I, I like to relate to the common person. And then when the common person gives you feedback, it's fucking like, and the reality is I am, so I am, rewarding. yeah, I am the common person, right? You know, it's crazy. And that's I, how I'm, you start off when yeah. you do those things, but it, yeah. it can easily get the ego. It, it can take the best of you. And that's for everything. That's for entertainment industry. That's for it, it, that, That's my biggest thing about, like, I love about like my favorite rapper of all time was Tupac. Always since I was a kid. My yeah. dad played yeah, in the car relentlessly. Dope. He was dope. And even when he got to the top, all he did was talk about his roots. And all he did yeah. was talk about fucking shit that people can relate to, which is why he was always my favorite one. Because like, 
I fuck, I love Biggie. And but like when you talk about like what they really talk about, I mean like Biggie, everyone says Biggie had flow. Like that was his main call to fame. Like his fucking his vibe was just unbelievable. Like yeah. he just made words that rhyme. We're like, I didn't Still even know he could yeah. fucking do that. Yeah. But like Tupac was yelling into the fucking mic <laughs> and no one cared because yeah. what he's saying. Like, Emotional. Dude, Brenda's just, got a yeah. baby. And you're like, what the f- this is or I, I see death around the corner, like, God damn, this is fucking like a and, kid can hear this shit and go, damn, yeah. I feel this fucking shit. And somebody would even say he was a bit of a prophet, you know. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Like I that is 100% factual. There's profits in every sort of genre in life, 100%. And musically speaking, yeah, and his biggest his biggest thing was he did have some sort of like, you know, cons to his lifestyle, unfortunately, you know, like but I fuck, I wish you I wish that never would have happened. If he yeah. was still alive today, things would be a lot different. But yeah. my point of it all bringing it back full circle is that he maintained that I know where I come from and I know that I'm just a normal guy. Um and I embrace my human emotions and I put them on the line and I and I let people fall for that and that's why they call him the black jesus they don't call biggie the black jesus there's a reason and that's still and that takes nothing away from biggie biggie's still top three rapper of all time and that's not even debatable and it but he's not that he doesn't you know that's a different level of shit and when you were talking and you were telling your story i was like oh shit this guy like he wants you to know that i'm just like you he relates that message over and over that i you can do the same thing i'm doing you just have to fucking do it yeah it's it, it you can you can and and I don't try to oversell it either. I don't come up with some like, you know, esoteric message. At least I try not to. Um, It just goes back to, you could do whatever you want to do. You know, if you want to, my mom raised us to uh, believe that she'd always tell us, you know, um, and and it was, it was a lot different than, uh, well, at least what I believe how a lot of millennial kids grew up where their parents told them you could be anything you want to be. Don't ever let anybody tear you down. Um, that's the stuff that a lot of millennials heard growing up, right? But they, right. But, but the but what they didn't hear was the caveat to that, and that's that that you had to work for it, right? You know, my mom would tell me things like, "Look, you know your you know your um uh your dad's lifestyle. Um, you 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 can do anything you want to do. If you want to be, you know, a teacher, you could be a teacher. If you want to go into law enforcement, go into law enforcement. You know, if you want to be, if 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 you want to be a bank robber, you can be, you know, the great, be the best bank robber you yeah. can be. You know, she said, <laughs> if you yeah. want to be a, she says, if you want to do be a a dope dealer, you be the best dope dealer you can be. Hell yeah! But know that if you get caught, I'm not bailing you out. Right. <laughs> know, there's, know there's pros and cons to yeah. fucking everything. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, she she told us those caveats. You know, but she. Um, and she let us live, you know, she, yeah. she actually, she actually let us live. Um, what yeah, a tough woman, man. Yeah. Yeah. We had to be in the house wow. at a certain time. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, it was, you know, if our homework was done, you know, we would get immersed in things, you know, doing like the, like I said, it was outside activities, which surprised the heck out of her. Right. Um, uh, some of the stuff that we were involved in, uh, doing, uh, we were, you know, doing, doing political activism, uh, going That's into crazy. our career field a little bit early. That uh, must have been such a like stress yeah. off her shoulders. I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off, but like, no, no, you I'm it. a I'm a single mom. I'm a Vietnam veteran. I live in this one bedroom. Yeah. The last fucking thing I need is for my kids to be a bunch of assholes. Yeah. And not have their shit squared away. And for you to be yeah. like only 14, like all right, I'm in. I'm gonna put myself in this group. Like, thank God, fuck, I don't have to worry about that because yeah. the la- I need more shit now. I need my kid to be into gang activity, or I need him to yeah. be in trouble with this guy, and like, ah, oh, or his grades fucking suck, and he has no direction, and like. Yeah, and we, and we started ourselves. It wasn't like my mom found the programs for us and we jumped into them. It was right. no, we we would come home and hey, can 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 we get a, can you sign this permission slip so yeah. we can do? Hell yeah, yeah. you know. And 
every now and again and she, she said no you forged that shit yeah. okay. <laughs> right, good. right she's thankful I for asked that you right out of respect she, I'm yeah. gonna fucking do it anyways <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> and she's she, she, uh, she, she definitely loves that we uh, uh, are doing you know doing what we're doing now and, and that I'm doing what I'm doing right now and uh, it, it was all worth it it was all worth oh, it definitely yeah. I honestly think like especially because um, I feel like people's outlooks on, on everything and this is how humans just think now especially in today's age it's very unfortunate but this is, people think very black and white yeah. about shit and they go they just generalize everything like yeah. it, this is this uh cops are this yeah this is this uh black people are this mexicans are this this and this and and and, and they made their minds up about yeah. silly shit and i really and i really wish especially about like the cop ones because i know so many nice ones yeah and i'm, I'm sure there's fucking terrible ones that's fucking people five percent of any occupation has a bunch of i mean five percent of any occupation are bad apples of course you know they're, uh, anywhere anywhere you know i'm pretty sure out of 100 walmart employees right now five of them are still out of the cash register right. i guarantee but it's not going to make the news why because it's not sensational exactly it's, it's something that unfortunately society expects right you know it's 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 crazy you know right. it's not sensational it's not you know but that's the reminder that there are some occupations no matter how bad they are talked about by uh news media by uh anyone with any type of agenda no matter how bad they are talked about they are still to this day noble positions right they're still much so. noble very and the much reason so. why is because not because of what people are saying in the news, but it's because people understand the vast majority of people understand that the work that they do is important. It's needed. You can't. It's it's something that you can't take away from. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's something that you know. And no matter, no matter where society goes, these particular professions are always going to be needed. For, so. for for sure. And yeah. I always I always idolize that. Like when I was a kid, my dad like sometimes um, sometimes. When I was a kid, I was like, I had a doc's point for whatever or whatever it is I had to do. And my I would have to stay home in the morning and not go to school for I would miss like the first two hours of school or whatever. And he go, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to your doctor's appointment and I'm gonna take you to school right after. And he would be on patrol at the time. So he would pick me up or take me the, to the doctor's appointment in his patrol car and then take <laughs> me to school afterwards. And then the looks I would get from like Yeah, I was gonna say like, what the <laughs> fuck? This motherfucker's right. already in trouble. Dude. Right. This is crazy. Right. And I walk out. Either like, that yeah. or he's snitching. I'm like, whatever, guys. Don't worry about it. Stop asking fucking questions. All right, I'm good. And I can't talk about it. I talk to my lawyer. Whatever. But um, it was really cool because well, the thing I admired the most was, um, and this is going back to uh, things that people don't see, is it's about across the board about any profession you do or just about life. It's always about the little things. Is what everyone says. And cops do so much little things that will never be noticed. And I remember my dad. He made it a point every time to get out of the car. Walk, to, walk, and he didn't have to. He didn't give a fuck. But he would walk me to my class because he wanted to say hi to everybody, and he wanted the kids to feel comfortable. He wanted the kids to be like, "Hey, I want you guys to know I'm here. And I'm here to help you guys." So he'd go in and he'd go, "Hey, ma'am, how are you? Like, I'm just, I'm just dropping up. I'm just dropping them off. Sorry, he's late. Um, hey, do you guys need like uh, the dare stickers or dare? Uh, you guys want them? They're like, yeah, we want them. All right, guys, I'll bring them back. And he would high five the kids. But that is a huge thing for it's, that kid. It's a big deal. That's it's like a, a fucking they, superhero being you don't, around you. Yeah, you don't realize how many lives you're changing just, just by that brief interaction that, that was, you're having. Yeah, it's like you know? 30. But for him to be aware, he knew he was yeah. He knew he was actually doing that. And, and, and I've met him, and, 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 I've, and I've met your dad, and, I, and, and uh, let me tell you, outstanding guy. I mean, he knows how to use his uh, occupation as a vehicle. Oh, um, definitely. We get so caught up in making our occupations who we are as people when the reality is that that's not who we are. I, I, you know, the, the occupations that we have are vehicles. Right. And those vehicles definitely. give us access to areas, to people, to things that the average everyday person doesn't have access right. to. The question is, is how are we using that vehicle? 
You right. Know, what are you using? What are you choosing to be accessible to? Are you using yeah. it just for materialism? Are you using it just for yeah. vacations? Are you using it for uh, spiritual well-being? Are you using yeah. it for uh, whatever it is you're gonna use it for? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's 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 spot on. You know, um, we get so caught up in having our occupations define who we are. Yeah, it's when so the strange. The reality is, is that we are who we are, and we simply just use the occupation as a means to ha gain access to people that are in need. At least that's what I use my occupation for. What I um, uh, when I when I knock on that door, when I you know, or when someone is in need of help, and they say that's the person that did that to me. Right. You know. It's it's like you're you're doing your your job is to go out there and to solve problems that people can't solve themselves. Right. You know, when when society breaks down, you're the last offense. You're it. Yeah. You that's know? it. Uh, and, but at the same time, we also recognize, hey, look, I'm I'm human just like you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I go so, home and put on fucking Netflix yeah, just like right, you. Right, exactly. <laughs> I go out. Well, I go out and drink just like you. you exactly. Know? Same shit. You I'm know? gonna do that right yeah, now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. And that's. Um, I think the whole job binger thing, I think that's that's huge because, and I talked about it in the last episode, which I'll post after this, with my cousin, we talked about like alphas and betas, like the difference. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very clear and it's very obvious when an alpha goes into a profession or, or, or a place anywhere and in any environment that he walks into, that he doesn't change who he is ever, but he knows how to maneuver it in the setting that he's in. It's yeah. very obvious. like. That he will restrict certain parts of himself, maybe. I don't have to do this right now, but I can do this, which is also me. I'm not faking shit. I'm just pulling out another part of my arsenal to excel who I am, but to not only, not necessarily to wow people, but to, to make them go, ah, oh, like you, you basically are putting your leadership on display. Yeah. And it's very obvious when people do that. And it's very fucking like, to me, it's, it's very admirable. It's something I respect so much when people do, but it's, I look for those things. Yeah. I feel like betas probably won't look for those things. No, 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 absolutely uh, not. No, as an alpha, you, you know, um, you, when you're looking for who is going to bring you higher value. Right. You know? And then you're also looking for what is the normal around here and how do I fit in and get accepted? Yes. Alphas don't ever do that. And that's what I, that's what I mean by the job thing is that like when you go into a job, are you looking for everyone to just fucking like you? Or are you looking to fucking be yourself? Right. You know, yeah. and oh, you absolutely. see it all the time. So true. You so see it true. all the time. Like people, yeah. they change who they are. I'm like, dude, you got here on this job because because you did it. You you went to the interview, you put yeah. on your personality and then you got hired and now you're different. Yeah. And now you're and now maybe you're talking shit about this person on the corner and then you're uh maybe you're not as nice about this, maybe you're not as and it's so strange how like the yeah. only reason you change is because this is what the normal this is what people expect from you here and you've assimilated into a culture that's not that's not the culture that you that you should be in and it's right. not it's not everywhere it's not every occupation but yeah uh, i think that's part of what makes my presentations that i do uh with my business uh, uh resonate so well with people where i come in and i and i acknowledge that those uh cultures exist right definitely but uh, i want to try to get people back to uh, returning to who they are as a person being them true their true selves because at the end of the day we all care you know, I, oh, yeah. I know people walk around and say, I don't care what anybody has to say. I'm just going to tell it how it is. No, that's just something that was in. That's a that's a coping mechanism. Right. That's a protection. Very true. Um, people, I, I still believe that human beings care. They care about themselves. They care about one another. Oh, yeah. Um, but when we get up in, when we get caught up in a um, in a um, a culture that is very toxic, a culture where um people are are jockeying for a position that really never yeah. exists mm -hmm. you know i don't i don't know how else to put that but there's like this there's this there's this uh position that is is just like 
it, it it's it's like it's in it's in the air. Right. It's like it's 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 not really a, a a actual position when we, when we get caught up in trying to get to that position right we lose a sense of who we are as people uh, we lose a sense of who we are as people and and who we are as, as individuals definitely uh, we even forget what we what what got us to the table in the first place right yeah and it was all those it was all those good values and beliefs that that you had that's what got you there right you and know? that's what's going to keep you there and that's what's going to keep you there yeah. right? and they make it and they fucking change it yeah and i, I hear yeah. it all the time and like my, my dad mentions a lot in law enforcement he always says like it's work is fucking toxic and he's like i like how he talks about that uh I, one of the things he told me not to cut you off he, he no, mentioned the uh the baseball analogy i don't know if you want to share oh that, yeah but. oh that's that's his that's his favorite fucking analogy he says it all the time he's like um he right now he's like he's like the third base coach is what he always says like he's like because when when i first started off he's like i was i was fucking hidden i was playing and i, and I was one of the players he's like and i just i was on patrol and i had and i had to make sure that um my coaches were telling me the right things which his coaches were the first base coach and then the third base coach and then the head coach and all those things. And the first base coach might be like his, uh, his senior. And then his third base coach was like his, his sergeant. And then the assistant coach, the assistant head coach was his, like his Lieutenant. And then all going all the way up the, eventually the, the, the head coach was like the captain. And then the owner of the team was the fucking the sheriff. And I was like, okay. man, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and that's how I ran it. And he's like, and you have to own every position. He's like, but you have, but you have to play ball first. You play ball, and then yeah. you can know how to handle, it, and then you know how to coach your players. You got to realize it is a game, and it's, and it's fun, and it's it's fun, but it's also like you know, if you you have to take for a team to be successful, they have to have um, the personalities need to all get along, and but you need to have every personality. Like there's a there's a need for um, a captain. There's a need for a weak link because it gives that captain yeah. better chance to toughen him up. That weak link who got tough now is actually you know, can teach another guy that. So it's it's strange, but um, you need a jock. You need a guy. You need all these yeah. things, and you know how to. You need to know how to manage their strengths, and yeah. put it into use. And I remember used to tell me that all the time. And even when I was a kid, because um, I was always the captain on all my teams when I was a kid, because that's how it works. If you're the best one on the team, you're gonna be the captain. And then, especially if you have personality, you're the captain now for sure. And you have to do those things as a kid. I had to do it all the time. So it always felt like second nature to me. And he was the captain for all his teams when he was a kid. When he played baseball and then he had like four brothers and sisters and he had to do the same shit and so i got super lucky that he gave me that those lessons for sure yeah. especially when he talked about he you say like it's it's like the environment that i work in is very toxic and he's like people will uh he used to say like uh like fuck people already don't like us like why do we have to turn ourselves against each other too what that's it's one so of the things that I, yeah that's one of the things that i talk about in the presentation the, the, the first thing i i, I want to make reference to is one thing that was even strong with that analogy he gave was along with all those things that, that you mentioned he also used to talk about that referee yeah, you know, ref, yeah. You, you, you're in charge but uh you know when the when the referee says you're out you're out uh-huh. you know nowadays we got playback True. you know nowadays we got the playback and no one where, likes referees you know, yeah where you go back you can do you can you can look at the play itself to see if the referee made a bit made a bad decision mm-hmm. um and yeah that's credibility on the referee and, and that, that that's subject to people scrutinizing his expertise or her expertise or you know scrutinizing whether they're actually knowledgeable about the sport but at the end of the day you know before all that even existed um and even at the end of the day when a, when, a, when the ref says you're out you're out right <laughs> you know? True. You know? We can talk uh, about what happened later. Yeah, but uh, you know, also, also with that, I, uh, uh, along with the how you ended that, you know, I always, I always talk about how um, uh, we, how we need to take care of one another in yeah. our workplaces. Um, uh, how we need to do a better job reminding each other every single day that you know each employees matter. 
You know, oh, we, we have an obligation to take care of one another, um, uh, not just because we're coworkers, but because we see each other more than we see our families at times. Yeah. You know, um, we create the environment that's around us. And some people may ask me a lot of times, you know, I uh, they may say, hey, you know, Dale, I, I, I understand what you're saying. It sounds very good. I, I like what you're saying. I like the vibe. But how can I how, how does that change start? You know, yeah, how do, I, how do I put it to use? How do I put it to use? How can I affect change? Yeah, and the first thing I say is it starts with you. Always. You know, that's that's the motto of of the business, you know, to build a stronger leader, to build a stronger organization, it starts with you. Yeah, you got to create a culture if yeah, you want to change. it has to start change. somewhere. It yeah. really has to start somewhere, you know, and if and 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 uh if if you're in that toxic culture, what are you doing to change um, the things around you, specifically targeting you? Uh, you know, someone once told me that um, you know, when it comes to creating a healthy work environment. It goes back to, you look at it as, the analogy they gave me was uh, looking at it like a, uh, a pie. Right. Right. Um, everybody knows how to make a pie. Well, some people know how to make a pie. There's, there's some people like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us know how to bake, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Some of us get down in the Hell kitchen, yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, some pies taste better than others, but you know, uh, with, with a pie, uh, when, when, when it's done, when you're ready to eat that pie, you don't just like take a fork and dip right into the pie. No, you cut your slice. You slice. Yeah, right? exactly. And some slices may taste better than other slices. Some may have a different ingredients than others, but at at the end of the day, all you can be concerned with when you put that slice on your on your plate is your slice. That's, That's all it. you can worry about. So while the organization, while the business, and this is I'm I'm talking about any business, every business, while the entire business may have a certain cultural structure right now, while it may have a certain uh, 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 you know uh, what do you what do you call it um, uh, toxicity to it? Yeah, cultures. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day the best way we can change a culture is just to simply worry about our slice. Worry about what's going on just within our cubicle. Right. And if we can change the way our cubicle looks, if we can change the, the people that we work with, then that starts to spread. And then eventually right. the whole pie starts to, you know, taste a little bit better. You know? Right. Well, <laughs> so, what can you control? And you'd yeah. be surprised how much that actually affects other people because then, yeah. they, then they get inspired by you and then they can control other shit. Yeah. That's, that's huge for me. I, I feel like listening and just asking people questions is the first start of all of it. You know, if you can go up to somebody, let's say whatever job you have, and they're a higher up executive, and and you talk to them normal and say, hey, how are your kids? And they're like, and then immediately that, that whole um, little fucking divide that you have of that higher ranked person compared to you is gone. It's gone. And they're like, oh my it's God, gone. man, my kids are great, man. People, he just started oh, fucking man. Little League and he's having a great time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you know what? I got a, I got a buddy that actually trains kids for... Uh, for this, for speed training, you should you should hit him up. I'll give you his number. Oh, thank you so much. And the next time he goes, hey, he says hi to you. And then the guy who's your rank or whatever it is at your job goes, how the fuck do you know that guy? You're like, I right. fucking talk to him, dude. Right. That's why. Like, right. it's not anything special, man. Like, there's nothing special about it. There's nothing worse than a supervisor that doesn't know your name. Right. <laughs> exactly. But people will make excuses as to what. Oh, you must know somebody. That's why you're cool with him. Right. Like, no. They, people do these things, and you're like, no, dude. I I invest in whatever I'm around. If I'm going to be Again, in a, people if I'm gonna, are people. Yeah, if I'm going to be in an environment, I want to invest in it. I'm not going to be here and just fucking not like what like not like how I feel when I'm here. So wherever I'm going to go, I want to make sure I invest in relationships with people and I'm going to make sure that it's, it's it's fucking beneficial to me like at least yeah. spiritually. So it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. It can be the a person ranked lower than me, a person ranked higher than me. I want to I want to know about their life and I'm going to ask yeah. them questions. And that's where it starts. And I, and Unfortunately, in most business places or just 
that can sometimes, unfortunately, because people, there's predators and prey. And sometimes your kindness can be mistaken for weakness. And it, it's very Absolutely. common too. And that's why I mentioned it yesterday. Like you have to be like very balanced. Like uh, you have to be, God, you have to be a talker. You have to be really good at you investing in people's emotions, but you also have to be just as good at the opposite, which is physical shit. You have to be in great shape. You have to be uh, like you trained jujitsu, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, I was looking, I was listening to some of your other podcasts and let me tell you, like, I don't know if, I mean, if you haven't figured out, this dude's hilarious. I know we talking about some serious stuff right now, oh, yeah, but, yeah. but uh, any other, you listen to any of his other podcasts, this this dude is hilarious. Um, thank you, thank you. But, but I was listening to one with uh, some of your relatives, Karina and Veronica, and, yeah. and I didn't know that, I mean, they were talking about jujitsu and they, I can tell you, they were absolutely spot on uh, when they talked about um, what jujitsu does for you right um, the fact that you know it, it gives you discipline it brings you a balance it um it, it's you know uh, one of them mentioned how you know you start off and you're just all over the place you know oh, it's yeah. just like it's just it's, it's just like a sport at that point it's just like okay i'm gonna just do whatever and then yeah. awesome but as you i believe one of them is a blue belt yes and that, uh that's you know, a veronica yeah the expectations change once you become a blue belt the expectations change now you become a little bit more disciplined uh there's a higher expectation from uh you know um from those who are white belts when they when when a white belt walks in day one and they see a blue belt there's an expectation that you're you're probably going to dominate them but oh, by uh, far. but also it's not about dominating it's about what can i learn from this blue belt 100 now, now this blue belt still trying to figure out who they are right <laughs> you know, this blue 100%. belt's trying to you know because i was there you know uh you know uh i was there as a blue belt at one point and, and uh they're still trying to figure out who they are what's what's their their go-to move right uh, i promoted but I, like you still like doubt yourself like Fuck, yeah okay, like, yeah ah. yeah but it's it but you're but you're not like that infant you know right. you, you you've learned how to walk now you gotta learn how to run right and uh but pete but there's an expectation there people are gonna look at you and they're gonna be having some you know, they 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 they're gonna be expecting you to have some type of skill set. Yeah. You know. So, but yeah, now I, I thought that was pretty awesome that uh, and turns out we we go to the same school, I believe, maybe Gracie Bar Fullerton. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys go to the same yeah. school, which yeah. is cool. So that's amazing. Yeah. And shout out to Gracie Bar Fullerton. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it, but it, I was bringing it back full circle. I was gonna mention that like, for some people, for most people, just honestly being a genuine, authentic person, being kind, being yourself, and that already liberates others and there and that will create a culture but there are minorities there are like fucking circumstances where that does nothing for for a predator or at least uh, in his mind that's what he thinks he is yeah. they get aggressive and they sign they see that as weakness and the only thing they're threatened by is probably physicality yeah unfortunately no, absolutely. Absolutely. so if they're like oh shit like oh they're talking shit about hey they're talking shit about dell the other guy's gonna go dude why he's the nicest guy ever and he's gonna go Gossip is something else. Fuck that guy, dude. He's a dude. I want to talk shit. That guy is a fucking black belt, dude. He'll fucking murder you. Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I'm not there yet, but you know, yeah, but I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, he goes like, oh shit, and that's the only way they learn respect. Yeah, for certain people like that. Yeah, they got to be put in check, and the reality is that what are we gaining? Like, right, but like, I never use it against you. Yeah, I never even brought it up. Some, but other people know about it, and it's it'll get to you. But that's the only that's the only way for certain people to to know that. And it's always strange when people do that when like at a work environment when they when they like spread rumors or like they add fuel to some sort of fire. Because I'm like, dude, would you do this in the streets ever? No, you yeah. wouldn't. And people, what do they people say about a man's legacy all the time? A man's legacy is everything. Absolutely. So absolutely. If, if you're willing to slander a man's legacy, you better willing you better be willing to fight him. That's that's one of the things that I talk about in one of my presentations when I talk about workplace harassment. The first thing, and I know for those that are listening, that um, 
have that that work in regular nine to five jobs, they too have had some type of workplace harassment prevention training. And right. as I as I explained to everyone during, in my in my presentations I, uh, at the very beginning, I know many of you have either done it online or you've done a class where it's usually an attorney who puts a bunch of stuff on the board that talks and they talk about how awesome they are. They show how much of millions of dollars they won, and they always want to tell you that case study about like shenanigans versus shenanigans in Kansas City, which has nothing to do with your job. Has nothing right, to do with what's right. going on the work culture in your workplace. But one of the ways that I start off the class when I talk about workplace harassment prevention is I talk about gossip in the workplace. It's it's a it's a pretty uh, unique exercise that I do that illustrates and brings home a point that you know when we say things in the workplace that are very toxic about one another. Um, and, and when you're telling it how it is, as I always say, telling right, right, right. it how it is, or when you say disparaging things, look at the long-term results you get within an organization when you allow that to happen. Right. But also, you learn that people that gossip, people who say disparaging things about people in the workplace, um, they got low self-esteem about themselves. Very. So you talk very. about that alpha person. You talk about that. You talk about that person that's a, a predator, not an alpha, a predator. Right. Um, you you got a lot of predators out there that is it, they come across as like you know very big, very you know you know uh, they're loud. They're loud. Yeah, yeah. But 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 the reality is they're not the strongest person no. mentally. No. They're not. They may show some physical attributes that may come off as threatening, but. When you got people in the workplace that are constantly putting other people down, they're not mentally strong. Oh, Generally, yeah. they have low self-esteem about themselves. They don't feel good good about who they are as a person. Um, so they, they say disparaging things about other people themselves. Um, looking at different uh, uh, cultures like uh, or different professions, like even in law enforcement, you know, people that, you know, they're always going to go get that cup, right? They're mm -hmm. always they're always gathering for that cup of coffee that oh, or, yeah. or that water cooler break in. And and all they're doing is just talking crap about the next person. Yeah, the it's question, fucking strange. Yeah, the question that I always raise, and that's is, like every job. Yeah, it's at, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. And the question I raise sometimes is, uh, especially when they're talking about somebody I personally don't know, is I ask them, "Why are you telling me?" <laughs> you yeah, know? and you'll be surprised because you know when you ask that question, it catches them off guard. It does. I, you know what? Yeah. I, what I and it's funny. I'll even do even if I agree with them. I, I say I don't know. I don't know, Matt. He's always been cool to me, so I don't know. Yeah. And I, even if like, hey, this guy's a dick. He's this and that. I do. It's. I, you're not gonna be able to ever get me to say something bad about somebody else. That like, take that. Yeah. That, it, it shouldn't take a lot, but that's that takes a lot of uh, staying true to who you are right. to tell somebody flat out. And you're not even looking at it from the standpoint of what that's going to uh, do to your relationship with that person that's telling you that. But um, you're looking at it from the standpoint of just staying true to yourself yeah. and just saying, "Hey, look. As far as I know, they're a cool person. They never done anything to me." Yeah. You know. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. And now. Even the fucking simple, who cares? When yeah. they're like, and he did this, I'm like, who cares, dude? And they're like, and you know, I'm like, you sound like my fucking little sister when she's 12, dog. I don't want to hear this bullshit. They're not ready you know? for that. They're can we not talk ready. about? Can we talk about shit that doesn't matter for a little bit? Like, what the fuck are we talking about, man? And they'll get like, well, bro, I'm, I, I don't, I don't care enough, man. No to the rest of your sentence. There you go. How about that? Right. You know, sometimes that's the only way they learn too. But it's it's strange how you learn how to whatever workplace. There's different personalities, and there's always different ways to, to maneuver around somebody. Like some people you have to coddle more. Maybe they're not as, um, I guess, they're not used to being themselves all the time. So they, they have a way to go. So you have to be like more, I guess, sensitive to them, but also not like bullshit them either. You have to tell them what they need to hear, but how can I put it in a certain way to where they can accept the material and utilize it, not actually just shame them or whatever, but whatever, yeah. whatever way I can get it across. Like 
the whole result is to get them better at it. So yeah. I got to figure are, out a way we, to do it. Are we saying things to tear each other down? Or are we helping each other grow? What are we doing? Right. You know. And it's it is crazy because it's just it's all in the ear of the beholder. Because some people you can tell them, in a, almost tearing them way down. But for them that works. Yeah. For, that's the only way that maybe they played football their whole lives and they've only been used to getting maybe they had crazy parents and they're only used to getting yelled at or going, hey motherfucker, you gotta do it this way. Well, and, yeah, and then they go, yeah. oh, you're right. That's yeah, the only way like, they fucking learn. It's the Pagmalian effect. You know, yeah. it's uh, when, when, you know, um, how do you produce higher expectation or how do you produce a higher expectation out of others? You know, is are you the person that um, has to have that boot camp type of like uh, being that boot camp environment? Yeah, are some you, people do. Do you have to constantly be getting yelled at? You right. know, do, does somebody have to always threaten you do this yeah. or else? Some people thrive off that. Yeah, or, or are you like that person that, you know, is uh, has to hear that motivational speech, I guess you can call it. I, yeah. I, I don't, I usually tend to move away from saying motivational speaker, but there's motivational speeches. Um, where where people will say things that uh, motivate you, you yeah. Know, or, uh, like uh, like uh, Al Pacino any given Sunday, if you ever oh, if you remember that. Fuck. Yeah, that is you that know? is the most one of the best things I've ever heard. Yeah, when, when when you start hearing things that where somebody's like speaking to you very calm, very softly, and they're rallying you up, they're getting oh, they're, they're getting you ready for that for that performance. Are you that kind of person that um, performs better when you hear it that way? Oh yeah, you know yeah. So, I, I'm definitely uh, I think I'm a little bit all across the board. Yeah, which yeah, yeah which. <laughs> I would yeah. say I'm more if I'm more teach me how to do this. Gotcha. Like I, I think I'm more if someone like is like a little aggressive about it. I'm like, well, then I, 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 I probably take it a little bit too personal. I'm like, well, fuck yeah. off then. Like, like just show me how to do it. What, what's what? And then I'm definitely and everything I do, I'm, I'm already fully aware. I'm gonna make mistakes. So when I make mistakes, I'm already like, I'm not even upset that I make them because I'm like, I already knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. I know I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm fucking new to this. Whatever I'm doing, like, of course I'm yeah. gonna suck at this. But so when a leader who's trying to teach me that doesn't have that concept in his mind, I'm like, oh, you're not a leader then, dude. I don't know right. who the fuck you are. But right. did, didn't you they're make mistakes? You're expecting perfection right off the back. And yeah, and you're like, didn't you make mistakes? They're perfect. Right. And you're like, then what the fuck? Why are you fucking upset? Like, all, all I need you to do is teach me where I went wrong so I can go, oh, okay, and write it down and remember it so that way I don't do it again. But like, I don't, I don't get, I, I don't thrive off the like, what the fuck? And I, I really don't. Yeah. Like, even when I was a kid playing baseball, like when, I used to get so fucking mad when, like, if I if I made an error or something, and my my mom would go to the game, she'd go, "What, daddy? What the fuck?" She would yell, whatever, and I'd be like, "You don't think I fucking know I made an error? Like, I know that. Like, I'm I'm already I already know I fucked up. You don't need to fucking tell me. Right, like, right. But that's because I know the mistake. But if I didn't know how I made that error or why I made that error, I want to know, and that's I want and I want you to teach me that. But I think that's why that's where a lot of uh, mentors, if you want to call them mentors, right? Um, uh, we'll say we'll say bosses. We'll say. Uh, you know, supervisors will say, uh, you know, people that um, are older than you. Right. Um, I think that's where a lot of us miss the point where they're they are quick to tell us where we went wrong, but they're not willing to take that time to show us how we went wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I try my best to if if I acknowledge that there is some type of deficiency in in anyone, uh, whether it be a fellow peer or whether it be you know someone that um, I supervise or somebody that I mentor, um, we know the problems there. But um, and it's not always perfect, but I always try to walk them uh, in the direction that they should be going. And I show right. them this is where we can do better. This is where this is how uh, we can do things to improve our performance. Right. Um, it's always, you know, even myself, you know, it's always a work in pro uh, progress. The way I the way I, I, I talk to people and try to improve their uh, performance is the same way that people help me and improve my performance yeah all i'm doing is passing on passing on the baton i'm not you know trying to reinvent the wheel or anything right 
So exactly. And for me, it was uh, my dad related to great. This it goes back to baseball when I was a kid. Um, he's like, when you get to a new job, when you get to anything, you're going to have to learn the fundamentals first, obviously, which yeah. are tough to learn because it, it does take a long time, but eventually you have to make it your own, but you don't have the confidence to make your own until you really know how the fucking fundamentals work. Yeah. And once you know the fundamentals and he always uses the exact example, he always uses the same example. He goes, you know, that ball that they hit in the hole in the back, your backhand. And it was too close to die for it. If you would have dove, it maybe would have hit you like in your armpit, or maybe your ribs, but it was too far to reach for it. You couldn't, so it's a fucking confusing little ball. And for a person who's still learning the fundamentals, they only know fundamentals, which is get the ball, maybe scoop it up at a certain ankle, um, take your little curl hop to first and then throw the ball. But I can't do it right here. So in this moment, fundamentals aren't a thing. I can't utilize them because it's not a ball hit right at me to where I can basically use that. So you have to get creative. And that's one of those balls where you don't die for it and you don't reach for it, you slide for it. And it's like this really like fancy ass backwards slide almost. But it, it, it's only done, you can tell when little kids do it, they weren't taught that. That's not a thing you're taught. It's a natural thing that he made up in his mind while doing that. You got to feel it. You got to feel it. You got to feel it. You, you feel that shit. Yeah. I swear to God, I got goosebumps even thinking yeah. about this shit. Because that, cause I remember doing that as a kid and my dad was like, that's, that's fucking it right there. That's how you know you're in sync of what you're doing or not. You're in flow. Like you don't, when the ball was hit, you didn't even hear anybody. I was like, no, I don't hear shit. You're just, you're in it. And no one taught you that. You slid and you got that fucking ball and you threw it at first and the crowd went fucking nuts. And then you, and then you went, oh, and everyone's like, that's a bad motherfucker. Right. That's across the board in any profession. First, you got to learn the fundamentals and eventually you can learn how to get creative and make it your own. And that, that applies to the workplace environment. That applies to just how you do your job in general. And that applies to how fast you promote to whatever it is you're going to do. Like, you learn how to make shit yours. You learn how to do that backhand dive or slide or whatever. And, and, then, you know, and, and not just with that. I mean, would you agree that the better you get at something, because you just mentioned how the crowd's like going crazy, right? But the better you get at something, uh, it seems like you got more critics out there, don't you? Oh, 100%. <laughs> there's 100%. There's always there's somebody out there that's going to tell you how to do it b- oh, bigger and better. Always. Or, uh, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, if, if it's done in a positive way and if it's done with the uh, with the best of intention. Yeah, of course. Of but, course. man, I, I tell you, you know, uh, somebody's going to say, hey, your backhand was weak, you know, <laughs> or maybe you should have just, you know, you didn't have to show off. If you're you faster, know? maybe it wouldn't right. have, you wouldn't right. have to slide, you know. Right. Or you try to make that too fancy. And it's like. No, that's just, that was my flow of style. That, that was my way of doing it. That was my things. only option. Yeah, that was and my only option, yeah. Now, and the fact that you didn't know that means you don't know what you're talking about. Right. But you don't even, <laughs> you don't even tell them that. You just go, okay, man, thanks, dude. And you walk away like fucking idiot. You got to sometimes. You got sometimes to. Sometimes they need to know, though. Yeah. You know, especially when, it's, but that's my, that goes back to my whole point is like the better you get at yourself, the more people will talk about you. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I'm talking about, obviously, you're going to have your negatives, but I feel like mostly positive. Yeah. People are going to go around and say, oh, man, fucking Big Dell, dude. He he is the nicest guy ever. Best speaker ever. The dude can fight. He's, he has a couple houses. He has this. He's well balanced. He reads yeah. books. Like, so he's going to make it basically makes it impossible to where you make yourself so rounded and so balanced that when someone does talk shit about that person, everyone goes, oh, dude, you're wrong. You're fucking wrong. Maybe, maybe you had a bad experience. I don't know, man. I wasn't fucking there. But I know 100 people that fucking like him. And if you're the only one, you're, you're wrong in this. Right. Because let's just do the math. Let's do the math here. You know, what are you going to challenge him in? Fighting? He's going to kill you. And and fucking intelligence? He's going to kill you that too. And humility? He's going to kill you that too, man. Let's just, just, let's just put this at the door now. You're not going to win this. I, I think one of the things that uh, keeps me uh, going, one of the things that keeps me balanced, uh, despite all those adversities that I may get, and we all have them. Everyone everybody, has yeah. them. You know, everybody's got that naysayer. Everybody's got a critic on their coattail. Um, 
But one of the things that ke keeps me balanced is reminding myself of the magnitude of, uh, of the footprint that I'm leaving on the earth. You yeah, know? Uh, we ah, go back. That's to, a big one. We go back to our professions and how um, many people def uh, define ourselves based on our professions. I don't, you know, um, I, I got many jobs. <laughs> I guess yeah, you could say. exactly. And uh, and uh, it's one of those things where I stay focused on how many people am I impacting. Uh, how many people am I helping? Am I just waking up in the morning and only focusing on those that came to me, or am I actually out there outreaching, right. constantly out there looking for people that maybe have a need? Yeah, um, may just meet that extra boost. Maybe just even those little words, uh, one or two words, to to get them in a new direction, to get them uh, on some higher ground, or oh, yeah. as I like to say, rising above stability. Yeah, you know, because um, I, I I'm a firm believer in helping people rise above stability, not yeah. just going in, uh, uh, just just showing up. You know, just because you were told to show up, um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I try to help people who to, to get out of that, just that everyday routine balance. No, we, I want you to feel like you, you're living with a purpose and that there's always something more. Right. You know, and as long as I stay focused on that, the naysayers, you know, the, the critics, the, you know, the, the people that just want to have something to talk about, uh, you know, at the, at the water cooler or on a coffee break. Yeah. Let them keep talking, you know. Oh, 100%. You know, let them keep talking. It truly is the, the small things, too. Like I said, like, honestly, it's so it's like as simple as asking someone their fucking name. Yeah. Like, legitimately. Yeah. And and telling them that your first name. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Like, it doesn't matter. And especially if you're in a position of power, doing it that way, too. Like, that's what a leader does. Yeah. You, you go up and you say, hey, my name is, my name is Danny. Or, or asking a question of, how's the family? Yeah. How are you doing? How's the dog? You oh, know? my God. Yeah. Um, man, it, it, and it goes back to what you mentioned earlier. You know, it's it's important that we don't, well, we, we were talking about it. You know, people that don't know your name, they know your last name, but yeah, they don't yeah, know your yeah. first name. Yeah, yeah. You know, or uh, they don't know anything about you and they're sitting there looking at you like they're like, oh, so how's the, and I've had this happen before. Yeah. You know, bosses come up to me and say, or or just, uh, you know, bosses, people I consult with, they come up and they say, hey, uh, so how's the, uh, the uh, uh uh yeah how's your uh, uh you know and <laughs> it's thing. just yeah the, yeah the thing the, about the, the thing, thing we were talking yeah, about this thing like, you know the thing. <laughs> right and it's it, it, i can't tell you how awkward that feels for yeah. them at least you know when i first used to get it it was awkward for both of yeah, us you're now, like, th your thing is yeah, great sir yeah now 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 it's just it's awkward for them because now i just sit there and smile at them and i'll right. say you you'll remember yeah exactly <laughs> exactly you know, but it's always good when you have someone that um, takes a genuine interest in you just off of something so little, something that matters to you. Right. You know, when we right. when we go to our workplaces, we'll, what do we talk about most of the time? We talk about work. And if we're not talking about work, we're talking about problems at work. You know, so. Uh, so that's so, why I always tell everyone not to live with somebody you work with. It's yeah. just fucking, you're going to never oh, escape that, yeah. work. Yeah. But, you know, you know to, to have somebody genuinely have a, have a genuine interest in you, someone who's maybe a supervisor or a boss or a director, come over to you and say, Hey, how's it going? You know, yeah. hey, how's the dog? I remember you telling me. I don't remember when it was, but you were telling me about how your dog was sick. Yeah. How's, you your, know? how's your diet going? How's your diet going? Because yeah. I know you were working out. I saw you in the gym the other day, yeah. right? And it's like, so how's that going? Man, that that just takes away so many, like you said, so many barriers. Yeah. It, it doesn't put you on a on the same playing field because you, right. rec you recognize that person for their position. Of course, of course. But it puts you on a level where it reminds you that, man, we're human. Right, and I can be comfortable. He, right. Oh, God, I'm walking around here so uncomfortable. Right, human and beings are human everywhere, beings. And I can, you know, yeah. that was big because like, I sent you that. I remember when I sent you that email 
And, and I was basically and just saying, you, like, oh, <laughs> that, that, tell, that told me that, you know, when I got that email, because, yeah, you, you don't you don't you don't hear um, uh, much feedback. And, right, and, right. and that's just life. That's just what it is. And it's, it's customer service. You know, when you when you're speaking, uh, when you're whatever it may be, you know, the, the you never get any. You rarely hear someone getting feedback about how you did a good job. Most right. of us, by human nature, we only send in complaints. Right. So right. I, I appreciate that. that oh, of course. That email. But I was going to bring up. I thought it was just going to be that. Like, hey, man, good job. And hey, man, thanks. That's it. But yeah. then, um, and I didn't let you know who I was. It was just, it was just a, hey, this is my name, but it, this is, I don't know who am I related to, none of that stuff. And then my dad had his heart attack. Yeah. Like about a month and a half ago. And the, I mean, it's like any other job, whatever job you're at is too small. Everyone yeah. knows everybody and everyone <laughs> talks about fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah. Your Sheila got a new fucking tit job. Like, yeah, I heard, dog. <laughs> one's fucking crooked and the other one's, yeah. yeah. All that shit. So, um, Basically, from what I was told, someone basically contacted you and said, "Hey, uh, Tomas had a he had a heart attack. By the way, like you know, he has you know, it's crazy because he's young. Yeah, he so, has a couple kids, and then uh, yeah. they told you my name, and you're like, oh, I just got an email from a person with that name, and then that you yeah, put, just put two and two dots. together. Yeah. yeah, connect the dots. Yeah, they right. yeah, a, a peer uh, made reference to you know your your father, and I didn't I didn't I was just listening to the conversation. They were telling me, and I'm like, okay, I know who that is, and then they mentioned your name and. I'm like, wait a minute. I got an email from that guy. And, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, and yeah. But I thought it was my bringing it back full circle. I thought that was awesome for you to actually go out of your way and go, okay, now I'm going to, you wrote me like a very long fucking awesome email saying, Hey man, I heard about your dad. I didn't know you're related to him, but, um, he was this to me when I was coming up in this, in this, Absolutely. in this, in, uh, environment, in this job. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions, if you have any, if you need any help, if your family needs anything, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I don't even know this guy. I've, I yeah. fucking I saw him speak once I sent him an email he said thank you it was great and then now he's sending me all this shit saying like hey if you have whatever you're not my dude that's but that to me I was like that is fucking like I don't know what it is but it, that's fucking you have it I don't know that's a fucking shitty general fucking way to put it but I'm like that motherfucker has it like he has he knows how important relationships are in life he's not Extremely. walking around unaware of shit he's very aware of his environment all the fucking time for him to go out of his way in his work day and just go oh, I'm gonna send this kid this email and tell him specific things i thought that was fucking awesome yeah. Yeah. you know and then we kept in contact ever since like hey yeah. man i'm reading this book you even got to see you at some of your best moments at different events and stuff and, yeah. and uh you know i, I keep trying to keep that commitment yeah you know um i don't just say things just to say them i really don't you know right. do i always you know do i do am i always on top of things no do i miss the mark sometimes yes but at the same time it's the intent it's, yeah it's really about look if you say um that you mean something if you say something and you mean it didn't mean it yeah. you know and, and stay committed to it right you know? so yeah and i remember there's one thing i remember from your speech i always remember how you um and it's it stuck with me because it was so simple and it was very well put but whenever you hear something like that you always think how come i didn't think of that it's fucking it's so easy <laughs> but it was uh, your uh your airplane analogy yeah I loved it. So yeah, I I, uh, I talk about that. As a matter of fact, the video I released uh, last week uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, just go on Instagram or go on Facebook, or uh, you can find it on LinkedIn as well for the professional social media people out there. Was it Har uh, Harbinger Horizon? Harbinger Horizon, yes, Harbinger Horizon, and you can go to the website harbingerhorizon.com. 
Um, but I talk, I give this, I, I give this uh, analogy often in, in, in many of my classes. I, I talk about, you know, every single day an airplane takes off. Um, this happens thousands of times a day all over the world, you know, and, and, and a lot of times it goes, they, they, they take off without us even noticing unless we're the ones actually on the plane. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the plane travels to another city, another state, most sometimes even to another country, and it reaches its final destination, dropping off its most precious cargo, which is passengers, you know, most of the time. And, uh, you know, when that plane is on the ground before it goes on its next flight, there, it's always going under maintenance. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's always somebody doing the checks and balances before it takes off again. And the reason why they do that is, is not because something happened at the previous destination. It's not because, you know, somebody missed a step or something happened in midair or, you know, somebody walked past and said, hey, that doesn't look right. Um, you know, peop, we, we do it to ensure the success rate of the next flight. And, you know, um, the only time we actually have a conversation about planes is when one crashes. Otherwise, it there's one. There's one, I'm sure there's one flying over this studio right now. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, you know we we just don't take notice to it um, until one crashes, and that's when we want to start having the conversation. Um, well, you know, the question I always ask my audience is is that if we do maintenance on planes, even when there's nothing wrong with the plane, um, why don't we do that with ourselves as human beings in the workplace? You know, we get so caught up in going our, throughout our everyday lives, day in, day out, and we never really take notice to those who are sitting to our left and to our right, the people we're going to have to depend upon in a time of need, uh, especially when we're grieving or when we see something that shocks our conscience, when we're exposed to things uh, in different professions that most people will never, ever get to see. Um, the last thing, I, and you can look at this message in many different ways. You, uh, uh, you can look at this from a, you know, simple taking care of one another, um, um, you could even look at it from as uh, when it comes to suicide prevention. Yeah. You know, um, why are we waiting until something traumatic happens, something crazy happens, to all of a sudden want to do maintenance on one another? All of a sudden, we want to talk to one another. Right. All of a sudden, we want to start <clears throat> implementing programs, and because something tragic happened. Right. No, no, we need to do maintenance on each other each and every day before the next flight, before the next, be, uh, you know, before the plane crashes. You know, because if you wait until the plane crashes at that time, it's too late, folks. Yeah. You know, it's too late to talk about it. You know, yeah. when, when this person becomes cr uh, critically ill or this person takes their own life or, you know, when when a disaster happens at work, you know, w what is the point of talking about it that, you know, the next day? Right. Uh, I, I, I started giving that speech um, because uh, I, I remember two and a half years ago, um, I, I, I would just, I, you know, I, I, this is the speech I would share with some, but I would give, I gave it even more starting two and a half years ago because um, there was one audience I was speaking with and I, I, about three months later, I was contacted by several people that were a part of that, um, that were, that were part of that audience. And they came to me and they said, Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And I said, no, uh, I, I, I don't know who that person is. And they started giving me more details. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I remember. I definitely remember them now. They say, yeah, they, um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, they actually committed suicide. Ah. And uh, I said, oh, okay. I was like, I'm sorry to hear that. And, you know, as, as I, I wanted to express my condolences, but then they said, yeah, you know, I knew something was wrong with them. And that kind of kind of burned me up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it, it bothered it, me. It fires you up yeah. a little bit. And, like, uh, wait, you fucking knew? Yeah, yeah, and then you know, the, uh, the another person, you know, uh, amongst that group said, "Yeah, you know what? That person just wasn't right. I knew something was, you know, they, just something wasn't right about him." And that that burnt me up. Yeah, I, I was sitting there, and and they're looking at me like, "Aren't you gonna say something?" And I'm I'm just looking at them, and I'm like, 
Yeah. So, uh, question for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you knew something was wrong, if you knew something was up, the question I have for you is why you didn't do anything about it? Why didn't you try to help? Right. And, and of course, that kind of like threw them off. They were they were definitely not expecting that response from me. They were right. like, "Well, you know, uh, well, it just hey, this is not about me, all right? This is about the guy who committed. So right. why are you bringing up weird? Right. Why are you going off topic? We're like, so, we're on topic, bro. What are yeah. you talking about? So so I looked at it as okay. Again, I asked that question in my mind. Why are they telling me? Right. You know, and obviously it was because I, I, I later, find, I mean, I, we later started to figure out that it was because of the message that I conveyed um, in uh, when I was speaking to that audience right. uh, uh, several months back. But, um, you know, I told him, I said, you know, if you knew something wasn't was off, if you knew something wasn't right, you, you could have did something. You could have pulled them to the side. You could have you could have talked to them. And I, and I pretty much gave him a little tongue lash and I was upset. Yeah. I was upset, and I said, "You telling me makes me that that doesn't make me feel good." No, you know, um, especially knowing that you knew something was up with this person, you chose not to do anything about yeah. it. Especially so, yeah, especially like let's say let's say um, your motives of helping this person are actually fucking selfish. Let's let's say the idea is that you are going to help this person because you want you know the greater good. You want to help person who's down, and you want to make their life better. That's the ideal situation. Yeah. But let's say you're helping them because um, it strokes my ego, or uh, you know what, dude? I don't want I don't want this motherfucker to come and work with a gun and shoot everybody. <laughs> yeah. So at least Workplace he won't fucking, is real. At least he won't shoot me. I'm good if I just be nice to him. Whatever. Regardless of how you start off, the end result is gonna be fucking incredible. You're gonna yeah. help somebody, even if you started off selfishly. In the end, they're gonna thank you and go, fuck, man. Like I I'm humbled by this because I I'd even fucking actually help him for him. I helped him for me. It helped it made me feel like I was needed and important. Yeah. And in the end, I that's not even what I got out of it. I actually got out of it. I feel fucking good that I helped somebody. And so maybe the get off, it doesn't, it doesn't even the get off can be selfish. In the end, you're going to help somebody. And that's yeah. honestly the most important thing. And, and I got to say for the people that are listening out there, you know, that, you know, have to go in and do your nine to five or entrepreneurs, anybody who has a job, you know, um, the first thing we like to think is, you know, in order to offer someone some help is we should be uh, uh, recommended they go to see some type of psychologist or uh, seek some type of some type of psychological support services. I understand that when it comes to taking care of one another, that airplane model, doing that maintenance on one another, it starts with us as individuals offering peer support. That, that's important. Um, yeah. I understand that um, we like to think that when we're having our worst day, we could just go home and talk to our family and maybe, you know, our family can give us a hug and understand where we're coming from. But I got to tell you, they don't uh, in certain professions. Yeah. Um, the, the, the important thing is, is that we understand where they're coming from because we're exposed to those very same things that they were just exposed to. We just got exposed to it on a different day and we had a different way of handling it, right. um, handling it or coping with it. Uh, just simply taking the time to talk to one another. Just simply yeah. saying, "Hey, you know, is everything okay?" Just a fucking yeah. hug. A well, hug goes a hug. Fuck. A hug feels good. I, yeah, I, I can tell you. Um, and, and I'll share this this uh, uh, moment in um, in a few minutes here. But just simply pulling someone into your office and saying, "Hey, just just sit down for a minute." Right. <laughs> you know, you don't have to say anything. You could just, "Hey, just just chill." Yeah. You know, let me know when you're ready to talk. Yeah. That. It, that make that that it it's it's amazing. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's it says a lot. It That's says that you care. Good, goodwill hunting shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's what it is. You know, yeah. when, he, when he goes in the office and he's like, he's, yes. he sits there quietly as shit. Exactly. And he's like, he didn't talk for two and a half hours. He's like, then what was the session? He's yeah. like, don't worry, the next one will be good. 
Yeah. He's like, it's, a, wait, exactly it's a waiting it. game. You know, and the, and the reason why, so the story I, 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 that kind of segues into that is I, um, you know, one of the things that I, I don't commonly talk about unless it's, you know, I, I talk to different audiences about it is my relationship with my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for, for those that know me, my, my, uh, I didn't have a relationship with my dad until I was 17. I met my dad for the first time uh, at the age of 17. Unbelievable. And and uh, the crazy thing is what I didn't know was my dad actually lived and no one knew. My mom didn't know. No one knew until my mom got a phone call from another relative that my dad literally lived on the next block over. Like, And when I say the ah. next block over, I'm talking about like I can go to the back of my apartment complex or the, the fourplex we lived in and hop a wall and go through a carport and walk literally 20, 20, 30 yards across street. And my, and my dad was living right there in an apartment um, wow. for about 10 years. Right, you moved there when you were like eight or yeah. Eight years well, I moved old, there so? when I was seven, and then you know, at this time I, I was you know seventeen. It turns out my dad had been living on that next street over the whole entire time. Fuck. And um, and it was just word of mouth. Someone was like, "Hey, I saw." Him. Well, yeah, my 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 uh, uh, a relative on my dad's side called my mom, and you know, just happened to have a conversation, and sure enough, she mentioned, "Hey, you know, the boy's dad lives," you know. Uh, at this address, my mom came to us and knowing that we were, you know, we, we were pretty, we, we knew the area pretty well. And um, and she said, you guys know where this address is? And we're like, yeah, that's like right next, well, next street over. Yeah. And sure enough, we go over there and I met my dad for the first time. Wow. How, and, was, uh, how was that? Yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, it turns out he had his own family. He had, you know, I, 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 apparently I had a, a two sisters and a, and a, a two, two uh, half sisters and a half brother uh yeah and a half brother and uh, little did i know actually that uh in living in there living there in those two years i didn't realize that uh when i would go around a corner riding my bike i was i was playing with my half sisters Fuck, and my that half is brother. fucking insane i you know every now and then i'll go around a corner riding my bike and sure enough i was playing with them and that's uh, fucking yeah. crazy man so you know i i so it's like i i didn't know the exact moment we met um uh, but I knew at that point that yeah, your faces look very familiar. Yeah, and I, and, I remember uh, you you mentioned that. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I remember you mentioned that on your speech. Yeah, when I first saw you talking, you talked about uh, uh, like the multiple academies you went through, mm -hmm. and then like your like your yeah. one of your first shifts. Yeah, when you like, came so, across yeah. that letter. Yeah, so and and, and and yeah, so you know that that really and I, I, I'm getting I'm getting there. Um, so I, I met him. I only knew him for, I mean, he only came around for like three weeks or two weeks. Okay. Um, he came around for two weeks. The The third week was when he came up missing again. Okay. And, uh, you know, we went to uh, his place of employment and it was that day he pretty much told, um, told, told me and my brother, hey, you go, you know, you guys were, were a mistake. You were an accident. You weren't meant to be born. I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. You guys look like you're doing well. You know, is you know, it's Jesus just that your Christ, lifestyle man. is way different than mine. And uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that was the last time I saw him. Well, actually, I wasn't the last time I saw him. About a month later, we're on the bus on the on the um, metro. Yeah, and he, um, me, uh, we were on our way to Target to go get a video game, and uh, go buy our first video game. Yeah, we, hell our yeah, first video game it was kind of weird. But anyway, we get on the bus, we take the bus down to Target, and uh, I remember he got on the bus a few stops uh, uh, after hours, and he paid for his fare he looked right at us he knew exactly who we were he kept walking fuck man and uh so when he said when he said he, he didn't want to have anything to do with us he meant it um but anyway um the next time i would see him was um 
later on in my adulthood, uh, when I was well off into my career, I was working in a jail, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the things that we do is we make sure we check, uh, uh, we do what is called a wristband count, and uh, uh, make sure everyone's accounted for at the start of our shift. And so that's exactly what I was doing. And I remember walking through the cells, asking um, the uh, inmates, the, the gentlemen in the, in the cells, for their wristbands. And uh, you know, I get to one particular cell, and there was two um, uh, male blacks in the cell, and. I specifically asked him if I could see their wristband, and uh, one of them puts his gets up off his bunk and he puts his arm through the tray slot and confirmed that one. And as I'm confirming now, when I look up and I see this other guy, and I'm like, man, this guy looks familiar and you know familiar face. And I'm like, okay, you know. And as he came up to the door, I'm like, this is not him. Wow, this is not him. And you know, to uh, take a pause from that, you know. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, we all have that, you know, for those that work in high profile professions, uh, we always wonder if that day is ever going to happen. Yeah. You know, we always had that in the back of our mind. My dad that, talks about the lies. Like, yeah. I saw a kid from the neighborhood. Right. You know, right. He, he murdered somebody. And I'm yeah. Like, and uh, I, I got to tell you, that was the day for me. Fuck. And, uh, you know, sure enough, I look at his wristband. Yep. It's him. Uh, I walk out. I just stopped what I was doing at that moment, walked out, um, told my partner, hey, I need you to finish wristband count. And uh, and he said, why? I said, well, because my dad's in the cell. And they said, ah, you know, you're full of shit, dude. And Because they know that every now and again I'll joke around. I wasn't much of a jokester, but I used to joke around quite a bit. Right. And, that's that's part know. of keeping everybody happy. You, yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, they they I was like, no, he's in there. And uh, they're looking at the sheet of, of a list of people that are in there. And they're like, dude. He's like, you're lying. So I walk out, I go talk to a supervisor of mine. And as soon as I walked in, I don't know what it was, but that look I had on my face told him everything he needed to hear. Right. And immediately he said, close the door and sit your little ass down. Yeah. <laughs> and you ain't fucking little at all. Right. Jesus Christ. And I sat there and I just, I was in tears. I was yeah. in tears. And, uh, that's fucking crazy. That's hard to deal with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just sitting there, and I, I must have sat there for about 30 minutes, and uh, it was it was weird. It was it was one of, it was a very surreal moment for me, where you know the you, you know the history of your father, you know what he has done in his life, you and know what he's told you, and what he's told me. Yeah, yeah more importantly, you yeah. Know? And uh, but you know, I, I got myself together, and you know, I'm sitting there, and he's just like, "Don't say nothing." And after a little bit of time, after just sitting there, I was ready to talk. Yeah. He says, now talk to me. I told him what was up, and uh, and he says, okay. And that's all he said was, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we waited a little bit, took a little bit more longer of a pause, and he says, okay, we're going to... Um, we're gonna do what we gotta do. Yeah. We're gonna make sure we take care of that. He says in the meantime, just you know, go hang out inside that area and and uh, do do your job if you can do your job. Yeah. And I did my job and I and um I went to go do some other things to make sure that the process was handled appropriately and in that I, I notified another supervisor who happened to uh, know me fairly well since I was a kid. And uh, you know, they felt for me. And yeah. I, I did what I had to do. I went back in there. And it took some time to get him relocated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, total of 16 hours. Fuck. You know, and uh, I happened to be working a pretty long shift that day. Yeah. 
And one of the things that was a eye opener for me was, uh, you know, anybody could have said, hey, you know, if that was my dad and he said the things he said to me and he's never been in my life, I could tell you I would have done this, this and this. But there was two things out of that that I really that I really got. The first thing is you, you remind it's reminder that you always treat people like they're your family. Now, I'm not saying you give everybody a hug. I'm not saying you give bad guys a hug. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is, is that you treat everyone with respect. Right. You treat everyone, uh, you, you you put everybody on the same playing field. Yeah. No matter whether they're the worst, they're the, the best person in the world or the worst person in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, you always respect everyone. Yeah. Because um, you never know. You never know when that never day might know. happen, right? Um, and all of a sudden, what are you gonna do? Change up your personality, change who you are as a person. You're gonna uh, treat someone differently uh, because and, and, and start exercising nepotism. No, um, you treat everyone the same. Um, you you, you got to treat everybody the same. Um, the second thing that I got from that is in, in in doing what I did in that jail for you know those 16 hours. I learned that I did more for my father in 16 hours than he did in my entire life. I he made sure he fed was, him. Yeah, I made sure he was fed. I made sure he got to watch TV. I made sure he had, I guess you can call it rec time. Um, I made sure that um, he had a blanket. I made sure he had a place to sleep. I made sure that he, I did all the things that I was required to do, not just for him, but for everyone right. in that in that housing area. But just making sure that you know what um, I did the right thing, and I and, and despite what he may feel about me, I have a job to do. But not only the job to do, but still, you don't mistreat people. No, you're not going to change you know? the way I present myself, right. or the way I handle right. my business. And, and you know, to this day, you kind of question. It's like you're you're thinking to yourself, uh, you know, uh, did did you did you why did you do it? Right. <laughs> you start to. I mean, I'm questioning it because it, you can. It, there's always room for analysis. Always. But it's like, why did you do it? It's like, are you doing it because you're trying to show him that you're better? Right. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Because of ego? Is it because, is it because of pride? Of, yeah. Is it because of you're like no? Because yeah. I because I will always be myself there in you any go. situation. There you go. You always have to be yourself. But at the same time, the other part of that was was, hey, dad, this is who I am. Yeah. Look at you know look at look at me, and this is the product that you brought into this earth. Right. You know whatever you did or didn't do. This is this, this is, is the result. This is the result. This yeah, is the product. Exactly. You know, and so yeah, that was a very uh, um, crucial moment in my life. And 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 you know, that's one of the things I I you know I, I I don't get to share with everyone. But if anybody ever wanted to know, you know, why do I believe the things that I believe? Why do I believe in creating cohesive workplaces? Why do I believe in creating uh, cohesive teams? Right. Cohesive uh, um, schools. Because um, not just people in the workplace I talk to, um, uh, it's 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 a wide variety of audiences. But if anybody ever wanted to know why do you believe the things that you believe, yeah, you look at that one incident there, and that should tell you quite a bit. Oh, for sure. And that's that's why that's why I I brought that up earlier that everyone looks at things that are black and white yeah. and they generalize shit. And it's very easy to look at a, a person who does motivational speeches and go, oh, that's bullshit. That's fake. Yeah. Anyone can fucking do that. If, if if anything, he's a fucking scam artist. He's a fuck. He's selling people on bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's not until you actually get into the nitty gritty and you get out of that mindset of everything's black and white where you try to generalize everything and you actually hear a person's life and you go, oh shit, that that's fucking real. That motherfucker yeah. is passionate. He's doing this because he truly believes in this. Yeah, he believes in these premises, and that's when you can really accept what you're hearing and go, wow. But the people that don't just generalize everything. They don't want to know 
details. They don't want to know. They don't want to no. know. And they, every everybody everything's a scam. Every yeah. every politician is this. Every uh, every uh, coach is full of shit. Every this everything everything is bullshit. Mm-hmm. In their minds, and I'm like, you're the one who's bullshit. You're too lazy to look into anything until you know their story. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not saying that everybody and, and has then, that story, and I'm not saying that because we do have politicians out there that are, of course, you know, they're playing the game. Of we course, have yeah. coaches out there that are playing the game. We know what those games are, but when you see sincerity in someone, you sh- you'll know, it, you'll know, and yeah. but it it, may, it it compels you to want to know the backstory, right? And even then, they're they want to know the backstory through um, convenience. Make yeah. it a YouTube clip for three minutes. I don't want to fucking know. I don't want to take three hours to learn a backstory. That's the only way you're gonna fucking know, man. Yeah. That's how life works for everything. You know, they want they want to see a movie. I want to have the music behind it, and I want to hear this and all that. And this is the best part about this forum. Po- podcasting is amazing. That's what changed my life. Is when around like 18 or 19, when I wasn't in the best, I was in the worst spot of my life, and I started listening to podcasts, and it helped me tremendously on every scale. I would listen to serious ones. And really, like Joe Rogan was like my favorite one because every guest was so different, and I loved it. I was like, man, I'm listening to like my childhood idols. A lot like, of flavor. Oh yeah, I got to listen to Steven Tyler. Holy fuck, man! Like I have fucking, I have those albums on vinyl. Like I get to listen to that, and then at the same time, he's talking to a scientist about how this works, and then and then a sociologist about how life is changing in this and the culture, and and I loved it, and that was my favorite. But then I always listen to comics and how silly they they got to be as adults, and I idolize that. I was like, man, I want to be just as silly when I'm 40, 50 years old, and do that. That's great. And then sports podcasts because I got to get the jock shit out of me at least a little bit. So and I saw and that changed my whole perspective on everything. Just hearing people talk about their troubles because you can you see these people and then like I said you generalize it. Like oh fucking lucky for that guy he gets to go on stage and tell fucking jokes his whole life. Fucking wish I had that fucking job. Wish I was that lucky. And you're like and then you hear him actually tell his life story and how much shit he had to eat basically his whole life for him to even be able to get paid to do this. Like he was a nobody. Like a complete fucking like my biggest hero was like uh, Joey Diaz as a comic yeah yeah so, that, that, yeah so goddamn funny I fucking love that guy yeah. in fact my first ever set I brought this up a couple episodes I followed him and it was by fucking mistake but it was almost like kind of like destiny it was hilarious like I got into comedy uh, a couple years ago uh, I loved it or actually like a year and a half ago um, and I got inspired by other comics and I was like man like and I heard their backstories because they're the ones I used to like, basically go to and hear about their lives and how they got there and it's always through crazy hardships um, stories much like yours and um, I was like you know I'm gonna go I'm gonna go try open mic it's, I'm gonna suck you know that's fucking alright <laughs> but you gotta start somewhere who right who gives a fuck you know yeah. what is there 10 people in the crowd big fucking deal um, and I go and when I'm there it was uh, I recognize one of the guys there because he's a producer for Joey's podcast and I've seen the YouTube live I've seen them there, and, uh, and he was he ba- basically Joey had convinced him to go try to do open mics all right, I'll go. So he went there. He's trying to open mic, and I was like, "Oh, it's cool." I, I know that guy. His name, his name is Lee. I was like, "I know it, Lee. Like from the podcast. That's awesome." And I was like, "I don't want to be fanboy though. That's not me." Like I, I was, if anything, I was like, "Hey man, good set." And I walk away, and I go, "Oh shit! I just said good. I said good job to that guy." But <laughs> I'm about to go on next, and then they go, "Hey man, uh, you're gonna have to go off after that. Joey's gonna go on right now." I was like, "All right." I just said, okay, but I didn't know who Joey was. I just I was like, maybe he's a regular here at this open mic spot. Some guy named Joey. I don't know who the fuck Joey is. This is my first time here, so I'm just trying to play it cool. And then it's it's. Fucking Joey Diaz, like a legit <laughs> top ten comic, a killer yeah. in the business. Yeah, and to me, it was the most humbling thing ever. I was like, this guy has no reason to be here, and has has for sure doesn't need to fucking do a spot here. There's like ten people in the crowd, fifteen people max, and he's here to pra- and he's still working on his craft here. And he had mentioned that on his set, he had said like, uh, I love fucking performing these little spots, man. They're tiny. He's like, this is free. I'm getting paid for this, but I I love being down. It's like it's like for me, it's like a fucking 
a professional baseball player going to the batting cages in a local area. Like this is this is where I work on my shit, man. And I get to be around real people who aren't laughing just because I'm famous. They're laughing because you know they're trying to do the same thing I'm doing. And I loved it, but it was like holy shit, that shit was amazing for me to see that. But that, that's who, you know, people who are always trying to perfect their craft, or at least not perfect, but get better at their craft. Right. Uh, people who are genuine in what they do, um, you will always find that they will always go back to their roots. Right. Um, a lot of the, you know, even uh, your most genuine public speakers. Yeah. Same thing with me. I went, uh, I, I commonly go back to South LA and I do, I talk at churches, I yeah. talk at schools and, and things like that. Just, you know, to, to let them know that, hey, you could be here too. Right. Um, and then, of course, we always got to start somewhere, right? And that's and, that was my yeah. whole circle. That's yeah, what I was going to yeah. bring back. Is that like... Yeah, like you said, yeah. People can say, oh, well, he gets to do comedy. I'm like, you don't you don't know his life story. This, this guy you don't found, know the hard work this, this guy, guy found his in. mom dead when he was like 11 years old on the ground. And he's like, that's it. That's your life now. Uh, oh, Dell, do you get to work for law enforcement and you fucking just do speeches? You're like, you don't know what the fuck it took for me to do this. <laughs> right. You don't have right. no idea. Right. And then when you actually lay out your whole thing, they go, oh, now I'll give you respect. I'm like, but why yeah. did you give respect in the first place? Why did you have to fucking... You, you, needed, you needed some validity and it's like the, the validity right. didn't even, wasn't even necessary. But, it wasn't necessary. And, and it's what it is. I mean, you know, I can't really, you know, t some people just need that. I mean, right. you know. But I, I, think that's a, I think that's a bad outlook. It, I think I think you should give people the the... The respect and the open form to talk before yeah. you go because when someone has a good position and whatever there is i'm like he fucking earned it yeah. but most people don't think that way they go like oh, who the fuck does he know uh how did he get there what kind of easy rap what kind of easy path did he take because i'm i'm down to take that easy path too yeah and it's just not the reality of anything i'm definitely most people where it's like not only did, did uh i i'm not the person to say that i earned something that that's 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 up to someone else right but what i can say is i'm earning it i'm earning it right you know, right you know now that i'm in this position i'm gonna do it 110 percent i'm not gonna give some mediocre speech i'm not gonna give some mediocre presentation that's never who i was it's never who i am am as i go back to what i talked about what my mom said my mom said you do the best at anything anything that you decide to do you'd be the best at it and i'm not i i can't say i'm the best but i'm sure as heck gonna try to be the best i'm hell sure yeah. as hell gonna try my best to be the best and if i land somewhere in the moon i mean on the stars somewhere try to shoot for the moon then great that's that's great yeah. <laughs> you know Fuck um, me. but yeah you know tried. And, and believe it or not this is not where i started i was not someone who was always big in front of talking to people yeah um i could tell you growing up I was one of those kids that you could, I wouldn't even talk to a relative. I was the quiet, shy kid. Yeah. Growing up in school, I got bullied like crazy. Um, bullied. Like yeah. just every day going to school, there was always somebody trying to push me, trying to punk me, trying. And, and here it is. I was that nice little kid. No, I don't want to fight you. No, I'm not trying to fight you. I was the one that was full of humility. Didn't want to, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how, I, I couldn't even tell you about how to stand up for other people. Why? Because I, I didn't even stand up for myself. Right. I, I uh, you know, these are things that a lot of people don't know about me growing up. But uh, I, I remember when I was five years old, um, somebody was super shy. I remember I was five years old. My mom was always trying to get us into different talent uh, commercials into she was trying you know trying to get us to go into these commercials and stuff I remember being five years old um, and I hope my mom remembers this I know she will that was a big <laughs> day for her um, we went to I don't remember where it was a school or anything like that I just remember being in an auditorium and um, I was trying out for a Granny Smith apple juice commercial no shit yeah Granny Smith apple juice Damn. commercial and all I had to say was Granny Smith apple juice mm-mm good when it was time for me to go on that stage, I stood on that stage and they said, go. And the light came on. All you heard was just me crying. 
So then they tried the hey he you know hey let's bring his brother up there and stand next to him and yeah and I'm just standing there crying. My, my, my brother hit it. My brother said it. My brother yeah. hit it. You know, and uh, you know he 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 did his thing and but it wasn't in unison. It was just me crying in the background. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I couldn't, I used to hide behind my mom's leg. I mean, like you couldn't get me to do nothing public speaking. Um, it, I had to grow into it. Right. Um, I, I, I really did have to grow into it. Um, I, I, it just, it just wasn't for me. And that's so common. I, like I said, I listened, I've listened relentlessly to all, my favorite podcasts are all comedians. And most of their podcasts aren't based off comedy. They're t- just talking about life. Yeah. And it's a common theme between all of them that none of them were that. They're like, man, I was a shy kid. I was this, I was that. Um, My my childhood was this. And I learned, I just, I just, I needed to channel it somehow. And I thought maybe I should just be fun. I just thought if I can be funny, maybe I can try it on here and I can, it can beat insecurities. That's the biggest thing about comedy, honestly, is when you're doing it, you're beating insecurities. That's mostly what it is, to be honest. I'm doing this because I know that I'm, that I have anxiety. I have, I I can't, but I can't sit around and let it fucking beat me. So I have to do this and it, fucking you get better and then everyone goes man yeah. like what a natural you're like fuck no dude right, right. yeah what are you talking right. about it's not until the end of the show when you start walking out and people are like hey that was a great presentation yeah. that was awesome yeah hey you know i've been to other trainings like this and i've never seen something like this this was amazing yeah you know and you're thinking to yourself you're a natural man oh okay yeah but yeah the anxiety is always there always and, and, and a lot of people don't see that you know they uh on my like there, there's a process and i'm sure you probably go through something similar yeah when you there's a process that takes place well before you even start performing mm-hmm. well before the show even starts well before the presentation starts um, um, I have different coping mechanisms and how to, and, and how to address the anxiety um, one of the things that I do is I you know I, I, I talk to my audience before the sh- before the presentation even starts oh, okay I'm always welcoming people I'm hey how you doing I'm the one at the front door greeting right. them I, they, know, I remember that yeah some people don't even know yeah that I'm actually the one presenting. And in your in your particular case, I mean, obviously you knew because everyone else was just in the audience and you knew those were the audience and you had the people standing in the front. But yeah, it was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm cracking jokes, I'm saying hello, I'm speaking to people. And then once I get up there, it's like I already know these people. Yeah. That's and, the way I break that barrier. And even if you invest during the speech, I remember you would ask, yeah. you're asking other people there like, hey, so what's your, you're, you're getting them involved. That's, that's yeah. And, and, and that's what, one of the things that people love about the presentations that I do uh, with Harbinger Horizon when I, um, and, and all the other entities I speak at, um, they're engaging. They right. solicit, uh, the presentation itself solicits feedback. Right. Because again, it not, it's not about me. It's really not. It's about my audience. What matters to my audience? And 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 so in order to progress in the presentation, in order to progress in the conversation topics that we have, I ask those questions of what matters to you. Yeah. Where do you get your values and beliefs from? Um, Which wh- no one ever asks you that. So no, when you do get not. hit with that question, you're like, fuck, where do yeah. I get them from? Yeah. How should you be treated yeah. in, 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 in your organization? Uh, what are some of your scotomas? What are some of the things that that you fall prey to that you, you you think you know the answer to, but it's it's a miss because these are things that you didn't really take into consideration, yeah. or things you didn't really think about. You know, um, um, asking for participation during like some of the activities that I do, yeah. where I'm like, draw something about you, or hey, uh, when I throw like a uh, a soccer ball, some yeah. of these activities are, are are different activities we have in these different presentations, and I say, hey, okay. 
spend time talking to each other about this topic after right. I throw this soccer ball, you know, with this particular topic on it. And then I, I solicit feedback. You know, so I remember that was that one, because my comical brain sometimes doesn't turn off, and I wish sometimes it did. Because <laughs> I remember uh, when you were doing your speech, and you are doing your thing, and you are you're killing it. And I was so engaged. And then you said Skatoma, and I was like, I'm, my IQ fucking sucks. I don't, I don't know what the like, fuck a Skatoma is. So I remember, I, I remember I was like, I need a piece of paper. I got to write down what this. I wrote it in my fucking, I got a pen from this kid next to me. And I wrote scotoma on my fucking hand. I was like, what the fuck is a scotoma? Right. Scotoma is a Greek word for yeah. blindness. And exactly. we, all, we all have them. You know? right. uh, we go through our day, everyday lives with our certain belief systems. Right, uh, that, right. That's something that I learned from uh, uh, Lou Tice. He's, a, uh, and, and, uh, he's, he's passed on since. But uh, very, 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 uh, very good, uh, not necessarily motivational speaker. I would probably say cognitive thinking speaker. Mm -hmm. That's a better way of saying it. And uh, he, he talked about that, how you know, human beings... Uh, uh, do not uh, when it comes to facts you know right. human, human beings do not are, are uh, uh, they don't believe in things um, and I, I don't want to butcher what he says but he, he talks about how human beings perceive things not based on the facts as they are but as they uh, as they believe them or perceive them to be yeah um, he, he he opens up this uh, this dialogue this ideal that you know things that we take in as fact maybe they might not be so fact uh, factual um, it's actually a belief the mass majority of the things that we um, uh, take on as fact they really aren't fact their beliefs yeah. their beliefs now i know this, this conversation gets a little weird when i start talking about this stuff but I, I use the analogy of is the earth round yeah now some people would say yes and then of course you have those in the world that are flat earthers right right right, right. um the, when, when someone says yes the earth is round the question i then ask is that fact or belief and they'll say no it's a fact and i'm like no it's a belief right. and then they say oh so you're a flat earther i'm like no the reason why I, I say it's a belief because my next question to you is how do you know it's round? Well, if you read books, if you if you listen to this person or the, I heard it was this or when I purchased the globe. OK, you did all those things. But have you actually traveled around the world? Right. You're um, believing a really smart yeah. person. Yeah. Which you're is, believing which, someone that you gave credibility right. to. You which gave, is a good thing to do, yeah. I guess. If you're going to believe yeah. something, might as well believe the yeah. smart person. But you, you gave sanction to that person. Right. To to see for you. You've allowed that person to see for you. Um, you know, it's not until I hear the feedback from someone that's, let's say, in the Air Force. Right. And, and I've done classes with people that have been in the military where they say, you know, I know it's, I know the Earth is round. Well, how do you know? Well, because when I was traveling as a co-pilot in a B-2 bomber, right. you know, six years ago, and I'm I like, saw that shit. yeah, and yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. For you, it's fact. Exactly. But for everyone else, well, for the mass majority of people in this room, it's a belief, right? You know, so facts and beliefs are based on the individual, right? And that individual is trying. Uh, it's it, with that individual. It's, a, it's about who do you allow to see for you, right? Um, I like to think that the smartest people on earth that are the uh, the the people, the time period in which we were the smartest, right, was during cavemen and cave uh, cavewoman days, right? And the reason why is because when you walked up to this orange glowing, bluish kind of light right we commonly know as a flame now right yeah and the caveman or cave woman sticks their hand in that light and they get a reaction and they pull back because of the pain right they look at it and they're looking at their hand and that's not a good thing that's going on right now no but fuck but, but what happens when the next caveman or cave woman comes up and and sees that uh, uh that 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 incident that thing that takes place they stop them yeah well, you would think right yeah but there's no form of communication there was no hey don't touch that right <laughs> you know it's hot right exactly there was no there was no formal language no formal formal language so the only way you learned 
was by what? Failure. You put your hand in yeah. there and you're like, oh, that's why you did that, exactly. right? Is, is the fire hot? Yes. How do we know? Because it's factual. How, why is it factual? Because we actually put our hand in there. Right. We had nothing to rely on. Now, in today's society, we're all moving based on technology. Right. We got newspapers. We got TV. We got cell phones. We have social media. All these things that are trying to grab our attention, telling us what our facts are. Right. But it's strange the, when a belief turns into a fact, too. Yes. It's very strange. But the question is, is who do you allow to see for you? Right. Who are you allowing to determine your facts? And what credibility do they bring to the table for you to believe that person and to say, yeah, what they're saying is actually factual without me having to experience it myself? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was for me. Like, uh, we grew up a very, well, not very religious. My grandparents were. And that was always like my, my, uh. I was never into it, but it was never like, I didn't, it was not for any like legitimate reasons. I was like fucking eight. So my mindset was like, I just, this is boring. It wasn't like I actually had any reason to like, not like it or anything. But I remember like my biggest thing when I was a kid, I was like, man, I love how nice everyone is right now. Like, <laughs> and that's two minutes. Like when we're in there and they go and um, peace be with you. And then everyone turns around and they give each other hugs and shit. Cause it was a Catholic one. I was like, man, everyone's so in these 30 seconds, this is the nicest shit ever. Strangers are shaking people's hands, giving people's hugs, saying, peace be with you, peace be with you. As soon as we left, everyone was a dick. You know? <laughs> Trying to get out of the parking lot. And here's the thing. So, so and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck changed? You know? And for me, that always stuck with me. And I was like, this is bullshit. Because I like that moment. I'm like that all the time. How come you're only like that for that 10 seconds? And afterwards, you, now you're a dick. Right. What's, what's going and on it, here? And it goes back to, you know, again, I love listening to, to some of your podcasts because, uh, People are thinking to yourself, man, this dude's raw. This dude's funny, but it's raw. This dude <laughs> yeah. is like, man. But you know what? Again, people start to question themselves. I wonder, is, is what he's saying the same thing that occurs in every religion? And the, and the answer is yes, it yeah, does. Very, every, you know, everyone. The things that we are we like to assume that it doesn't happen to anybody else's religion. So right. I'm supposed to be, and I say I'm supposed to be, right. a Baptist Christian. Mm -hmm. Okay? You're you're Catholic. It's right. like people question, is that the same thing that happens in 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 uh in Baptist Christian uh, communities and and their churches, yes, yeah, it happens <laughs> yes. to everyone. And so, for those of you that are listening, and you ever wonder, <laughs> you think it's yourself. I wonder if that happens in every anybody else's religion. Oh, the answer is yes, <laughs> big time. But you know, it's it's strange how like it's um I would feel like as important as religion is as most people, at some point it's it's never important as you think it is. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, my uncle, he's he's gay. And when he came out gay, first of all, it wasn't a fucking surprise. So he was like, right. Usually people remember, know it. Yeah. It's so fucking, we still laugh yeah. about this as cousins because we, um, my parents got us all together, like my brother, my sister, and my cousins. And it was like a Wednesday night. So it was kind of weird. We're all hanging out in my house and they call us into the living room. First of all, I go into, go into Danny's room. We're all in there playing video games and shit. We're a little over like 10. And they call us in the living room and like my mom's crying and my aunt's crying and the dads are sitting there. They're like, we have to tell you guys something. They're like, what? They're like, your uncle's gay. And I was like, oh, okay, can we go play can we fucking play? Video right, game? Like, what the right. Fuck? What, what does it matter? Care. What does it matter? It's like, well, you don't treat him any different. I'm going to treat him the same way I treated him the day before. Right. But it was and like. he was an asshole before. Right. Like Christmas is right. next month. You, right. you think I'm going to throw this in his face? I don't right. give a fuck. Right. But and if he was an asshole, then I'm going to still treat him like he's an asshole. Exactly. But, you know, if he was nice to me, I'm going to treat him like he was nice. Right. It, it, it should, the relationship doesn't change. Right. But it's, you know? but it's interesting because like at that, when I'm 10, that's not even my mindset because I'm not yeah. smart enough to even develop those thoughts. My mindset is, who cares? Like, I just right. want to play video games. Like, and it should be that way as an adult because exactly. it's at the end of the day, it's people are people. And people, that's the thing right. we don't understand. 
they're not in the bed with me. Right. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> but Who cares? I bring it up because my grandparents are very well, they're very Catholic. And they're the nicest fucking best people ever. They give everyone a dollar. They're so great. But their religion took over their um I guess humanity. Yeah. For br- briefly because what they did was and he was their best son. For sure their most successful one. The dude went to uh UC Davis, then he went to uh University of Michigan, then he went to Yale. Just shining. Fuck fucking killer. Like straight up he's a principal now. He was a rowing coach for the Olympics. Like he's a bad motherfucker. He's shining. smart. He's a straight killer. And he lived with them all the time. He always like he was their best kid. And like my mom was a rebel. Like she, my mom's a fucking beast now. She's a she's a <laughs> charge of a OR. Like she's a fucking savage nice. nurse. But I mean, she wasn't a nurse. I remember going to her fucking nurse graduation at a junior college. I was like nice. six. You're not even supposed to remember your parents' graduations, but I right, was there. Right, right, And but she was a rebel child. It took her forever to get like to be a beast. And he's always been disciplined. And they wrote him a letter and they said like, hey, you're no longer our son. This, this and that due to these circumstances. Blah blah. Wow. And yeah, it was it was it was drama and. My my mom and her other brother, they went and they had a huge family meeting and they basically like, how fucking insane are you guys? Yeah, you guys raise us to be this. Yes, yes, we're generally Catholic. Yes, we go to church when we can. Yes, you guys go more than we do, but yeah. But, but the product though. How the they, yeah. yeah? Do you know how fucking twisted this shit actually made you in this moment? Does it yeah. teach you majority good? Yeah. It most of the shit is teaching you good things. Be nice to people, blah blah. blah. But in this moment, it taught you how to be fucking evil, and. When they gave that speech to my grandparents, my grandparents fucking cried. They couldn't have been more remorseful. Like I can't, we can't believe we even fucking did it. Like, and yeah. to this day, they are the tightest relationship. Like my uncle and them. Like they, he still lives there, and that's it's like it never happened. But yeah. in that brief moment, it did actually override their humanity. And it taught them how to be a little bit, you know, I guess uh, more structural instead of actually logical. You know, being, yeah. this is what I'm supposed to do because my religion taught me that and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, but your religion also taught you to be nice to everyone, to be kind to others. It, it didn't give any, it, there was no pre, there was no uh, disclaimer on that. Right. There, there was no disclaimer on it. There was no except for. Yeah. You know, no, you, you're nice. And that's most religions. Right. You know, it's, you, 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 we have those basic core um, principles, those uh, uh those basic core philosophies, those basic core practices, yeah, which is what a lot of religions have in common, right? And but yeah. in the end, I was, it's just like everything else. Like, was that moment shitty? Yeah, of course. But it created, it actually made when it all ended, and the result is my uncle's actually closer with them now because they went through that crazy shit because they made such a huge mistake, and um, it's it's strange, like because that's how it affects everything. That's how life works for everything. Like your life was fucking crazy, and it makes yeah. and because of that, it made you the most well balanced person, one of the most fucking well balanced I know, because you read books, you are knowledgeable about your trade, you work on your craft, you know how important, you know how fragile life is. You're not in any way ungrateful for the shit you have, but at the same time, yeah, you still no, like work not. hard. And it's only people that have gone through those experiences that truly actually have such a different mindset on life. And I remember growing up when I was a kid, I was like, I've never really had that much hard shit. Like I, maybe I did. But I always sought out people that did because that actually made me work harder. I was like, I have to give myself my own struggle. I wasn't giving it. Like, I really wasn't. Like, I had a great neighborhood. Yeah, my parents would be in ghetto spots, but, like, I didn't fucking starve ever. I didn't go to a liquor store to get a loaf of fucking bread. I, I didn't have to do any of that shit. If I asked my parents for 20 bucks, I usually got 20 bucks. Like, my yeah. life was fucking good. So, I feel like maybe inadvertently or subconsciously, I might have gave myself a struggle just because I needed, I needed to know if I can dig myself out of it. You know, because I was never had one, 
And when high school ended for me, that's when all my struggles started. And when I finally made that switch, I got that mindset. Um, that's when I was like, man, now let's see if I can dig myself out of this. And it was knowing that I could you was the most out the boat and told to swim. Yeah, <laughs> for real. My parents, ne- my parents never gave me those like, you can do whatever you want. I never. It yeah. was always like, you want to go get it. That's it. There was no fucking. You can be whatever. No, I never got yeah. that. But it was always like, okay, you can do whatever you want. Just fucking do it, I guess. But I'm not gonna like motivate you. Yeah, that's that's fucking up to you. But I was always like, fuck, like I don't have it. I don't have motivation. Like I don't know what the fuck to do. And um, I got it from other people. It was external. I I I had it from my parents a little bit, but it, they're your parents. You know, you you want to get it from other sources. And I got it from the podcast. And then luckily enough, I got it from real life people that I got to meet during the process. You, whatever it was, and it was, man, it's like. Honestly, there was fucking zero chance if I heard the words Katoma that I would have wrote in my fucking hand <laughs> three years prior. You know? So if you learn anything from this podcast today, uh, you learned the word Skatoma. Exactly. <laughs> but and but once I got listening. Exactly. But I got once I got into that mindset, I was like, no, I need to know what that fuck that word means. Yeah. So I, I, I wrote it down. And it's a it's like going back to what I said, the little things. That shit matters. I was like, I need this this is important to me. And that's what makes you stand out. No one else is writing it on their hand, but you are. You're taking a small little step, but it makes you smarter. It's so strange how that works, but you know, yeah, it's life's been good, and it's only because I've been surrounded by people like you. So, and you got to keep building that circle. You know, you got to, yeah, you got to, you know, you. Um, if there was any advice I can give to anyone in this podcast, the, um, you know, if you've never heard me before, if you never heard me speak, um, one of the things I want to leave off with is surround yourself with people that are going to add value to you. Hell you know, yeah. Um, that's what a real friendship is. That's what a real uh, mentor is, or someone who really bonds with you. I like to look at it from a standpoint of uh, uh, having being King Arthur and having your Knights of Justice. For anybody remembers that cartoon and that and that movie, and uh, um, you always want to surround yourself with advisors, people who are going to help you grow, people who are going to help build you. Are they always going to be nice to you? No, they're not. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, these are people that have you and their best and uh, your best interest. So um, really surround yourself with people that are going to help build you. Um, and, and don't just stop at you know five or six. You can have your own different, different circles here and there, um, but really focus on building an enterprise of people who are going to help you build, help you grow. Yeah. Fuck. Beautiful parting words. What do you say? You want to call it? That's it. I think we're good. Awesome. I want to thank you. I definitely want to thank you. This was an amazing experience. Fuck uh, yeah. I got to tell you, anybody, you, you, like I said, you got to check out this man's podcast. Uh, pretty funny guy. Uh, I wish I can comment on a lot of other things. <laughs> um, uh, I guess uh, we got to leave it off with some, uh, you know, because we got to leave off with things that are like hyped up right now, the, thing, the popular things. Maybe we get a couple of. Uh, a couple of uh, extra likes and hashtags That's on social right. media. That's also. right. So um, Popeye's chicken sandwiches um, and uh, <laughs> and happy <laughs> and uh, happy 50th anniversary to Sesame Street. Boom. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, if anybody remembers the first couple episodes uh, where the Grouch actually had a uh, was was actually smoking a pipe, um, talking about trying to practice good uh, drug safety, you know. But anyway, Damn. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. some OG shit. Yeah, right OG there. stuff. Anybody remember Sesame Hell Street? Yeah. Today is the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street. No way. And the whole ideal of Sesame Street was to help uh, impoverished communities, impoverished families, uh, to. Uh, uh, to, to help educate them, uh, educate the children before they actually started um, uh, school. So yeah, but uh, it got off to a bad start. Uh, <laughs> it's some of the message that they were trying to convey, but you know, uh, yeah. So we'll lead off with those two things. There we go.
that's fucking awesome man yeah thanks a lot for coming on uh i i mentioned it earlier man like most of my podcasts are just garage talk bunch of idiots having a conversation but uh this one was special for me and it's i hope growing. it's special for people hearing it because this this might be a, a david goggins for somebody <laughs> straight up because that's <laughs> what it was from, when i heard you talk that's what it was for me hopefully people get the same out of it yeah. and uh like i said i love being diverse in this podcast man we can talk about the dumbest shit ever and just yeah. joking around and then we can be serious about the shit like this and i love yeah. it so thanks for coming on this Thank is uh, delwin lampkin everyone look that shit up dude it's gonna yeah. change your life harbinger horizon harbinger horizon and uh this has been episode 43 and uh I'll see you uh, silly bitches soon. <laughs> Peace! If you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted one moment would you capture it? Just let it slip. Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clocks run out, time's up, over, plow. Snap back to reality, oh, there goes gravity, oh, there goes rabbity choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up. Believe somebody